Hey everybody, this is Jack. I just want to let you know that stay tuned for our spectacular, awesome, terrifying It spoiler cast that is at the end of this episode. Bom, bom. Welcome to episode 16 of the Tiny Disc Podcast, a show about games and life. I'm Robert Scarpanito, and I'm joined here by Jack Cepeda. Crivens, it's the Tiny Disc Podcast. Bong bong to all. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Okay, Uh then. Coming to us live from London. Uh, And also Colin Sparling. How you doing, everybody? Do it, doing very well. Thank you for asking, Colin. I I am not in London. I'm in. I'm on top of a sinkhole. Right now, I think, <laughs> oh, I that's so. slowly forming. My my home vibrates. So I called it. If anything happens to me, and you know, and my apartment is all all of a sudden just gone, ceases to be. It was a sinkhole, everybody. But about every month, two months, my apartment just vibrates, huh. and it's bizarre. Was someone just sending your house a text? No, it wasn't my phone <laughs> vibrating. No, no, your house. No, no. I don't know what it was. I'm very freaked out. I'm a little worried for my mortal safety, but we will pre- pre- uh, persevere and prevail. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we will prevail. He's, he's a strong man we have here on this podcast. So, Colin, you have a little story you want to tell us uh, from your uh, video games meeting on Monday, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I talked about my or I mentioned my video game club here before, but here at Ohio State, I run video game discussion club where me and a group of people, we get together in uh, in a classroom. I throw up a presentation and I come up with some topics we're going to talk about. We talk about video game news and uh, I get to shield the podcast, all of them, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hi anyway, guys. the top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys. The Tiny Disc Podcast. Huh? Huh? Anyway. Uh, so this week we, we decided to talk about, uh, licensed games, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, licensed games as in movie games, comic book games, anime games, right, all that right. stuff. What makes them good? What makes them bad? Uh, and people just talked about some good, like, you know, what their favorites were, what some of the worst ones they played were. And so at the end of all of it, after hearing like all the good suggestions, you know, like Toy Story 2 on the PlayStation 1 and the Riddick games and... You guys ever played? I don't know if you guys know the Reddit games or not. Uh, yeah, uh, it's actually pretty good on original Xbox. It yeah, was a standout yeah. FPS for sure. Yeah, those are some. They have no business being as good as they were, but they were some good games. Um, so anyway, we were just talking about you know all that stuff, and then at the end, I thought it'd be a fun idea to be like, okay, guys, so take any license you want, like any sort of pop culture like license, preferably something decently well known, and then we'll see. Basically, we'll see what would happen if we wanted to make it into a game. Like, who would we want to develop oh. the game? Who, What kind of gameplay would we want it to have? And things like that. So, <laughs> after many, many ramblings and yellings, and I was like, guys, I'm trying to... Like, I can't hear anybody. Everyone's just kind of, like, throwing ideas at me. Uh, I heard everything... Like, some very off-the-wall stuff. I was like, I have no idea what that is. And someone said... I can't... I, someone said... <laughs> fucking... The one that caught my ear was Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Never. Video game. <laughs> oh, <Never>. no. 
<laughs> Never. Guy Fieri and, approved. <laughs> I was mm. like, that sounds like some shovelware game that came out on the Wii already. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there was like a million of those. I mean, how many deal or no deal, no deal games do they need to make? No. You just, um, have to, you just have to pull the Wii remote up to your mouth and just shove your face with well, straight lard. What if it was a visual novel? And, like, you had to make decisions based on, like, whether you like the food or not based on the descriptions. And you're Someone dis- actually suggested that. And it- <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nice. Right on the nail. Uh, yeah, and then based on your decisions, you fall in love with Guy Fieri. Well, yeah. no, your food is actually boys. And you're a girl. You're girl Fieri. And you're dating your food oh, at God. different restaurants. I'm going to push the ejector button on this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I cannot go down this path with you two. I cannot. I cannot follow well, you down you, this road. Uh, fear thee, this. No, <laughs> no. Dino this driving and dives. <laughs> no, no, no. no like, so, of, of course, like the obvious one was like, uh, I, someone said GTA clone. And we're like, so who would we want to develop it? And they're like, oh, well, I mean, Rockstar, obviously. I was like, well, that's an obvious one. And then they suggested Ubisoft. And I was like, that would make uh, a lot more sense because I feel I wouldn't put it past Ubisoft to develop a game like that. Well, isn't that just called Watch Dogs Two? <laughs> Burn. I mean, I guess this is kind of the equivalent of man. What if this video game was made into a movie? Who would be the perfect Commander Shepard? Like equivalent, I mean, right? Yeah. I guess. Okay. I don't. But anyway, so like you know that was the obvious one. But then someone's like, no, we should do Sega. Sega should make this game. Oh no! <laughs> the okay. '90s Sega or the modern Sega? I, I they didn't they didn't specify. Okay. They just so it was just many many ramblings. I was like, oh, it should be like Yakuza, or oh, it could be like a Sonic the Hedgehog Guy Fieri crossover. It could be like Sonic <laughs> 06. <laughs> you, got, you got quite the group there, Kyle. <laughs> Sonic <laughs> Sonic races around the world to find the world's best chili dog. I see this entire time. I'm just thinking of Guy Fieri on the the fucking the whatever that is, like the snowboard or whatever, in Sonic Adventure Two, going down the hill. Oh <laughs> yeah, follow me, dude. Lim- you, you you got mad respect for that man. You pronounce his last name like not Fieri, like everyone else says it. You actually said it the actual way. Yeah, Guy Fieri, wait, dude. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. That's there's an actual way to say it. Yeah, he gets mad yeah, too Guy if you don't no, say it right. Wait, no way. Go ahead, demonstrate for us the right and wrong way, Colin. So everyone says Guy Fieri, but it's Guy Fietti. That's not real. Yeah, yeah. You know, just oh like it's Guy. F- <laughs> guys, it's just like Ibiza, but with Dude. more frosted tips. Now <laughs> let me tell you a little something, something about our Lord and Savior, Guy Fietti. Uh-huh. So oh, I no. used to, I used to come home from school. I think when I was in like fifth or sixth grade. Just come home from school every day, like sit down. It would be like three o'clock on the dot. I'd sit down, grab my after school snack, and watch Guys Big Bite on the Food Channel. That was yeah. a show. Yes, Guys Big Bite. It was this like huh. cooking channel dude. He was like, I, I don't know, like he's like a dude who's like the missing member of the offspring or Smash like, mouth. yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. He, or like some Sugar Sammy Ray. Hagar wannabe. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> He got famous for being on like a show, right? Like a yeah, it was the next, uh, food, network the next food network star or some. Sh- it was something like that. Yeah, and I don't know, like, dude, his kitchen was just like it was all like, oh, it all looks like it's made of car parts, and he has a fridge that looks like a fucking race car. <laughs> like, oh like dude, thing, this, this is only, so much edge. The only thing worse than being that guy 
is being the guy that lost to that guy <laughs> on that show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you really couldn't get that done? You really couldn't seal that deal? All right. Does anyone know who, like, the runner-up for that no season one. of that show was? Second no one? place the first wow. loser, baby. Dude, watch it actually be like Bobby Flay. <laughs> That'd be funny. God. Oh my god! No, no. I let's uh, let's I, yeah. I, I could not watch American reality TV anymore. It's it's so weird. I don't get it at all. Um, could only, you watch uh, Tokyo based reality TV? I could, and I was actually about to bring up a, a Japanese reality TV show that mm. I have fallen in love with, and it's so much better than any of that trash garbage that's on American TV right now. Mm-hmm. It's called Yo, it, it's. Yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's called Terrace House, T-E-R-R-A-C-E, like a terrace. Not like um, Tara, a girl's house. No, it's Terrace House. Yes, it's like Lakeside incredible. Terrace. Yeah. Uh, if I remember right, you two have been watching a little bit of it recently, right? Yeah, I have to say, man, it's it's uh, it's taken my heart, like... I'm I'm a pretty giddy fan now. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, I'm like, no lie. I'll sit there and like watch the show, and like somebody will be on a date or whatever. I'll be like, like I'll tense up, and I'll be like, like hitting my wow. legs, and be like, no, that did not just happen. That yeah. did not, just, like, you know. Yeah. And uh, dude, I get into it, man. I get into it. Like, like it needs to be a drinking game or something. I don't it, know. There is a drinking game actually. What? I played it before. It got me pretty fucked. Correct. <laughs> like the drinking game is basically just every time they say welcome back oh, or every time someone uh, says kawaii it's cute oh, or kawaii. every time they say kampai cheers drink oh my god it gets you pretty pretty well well marinated for the night let's kind of set um, the stage for what the show is yeah so yeah what yes. terrace house is it's um you, you take a really really nice house like it's incredible how how beautiful the house is and you put three guys and three girls in there and just you know they live there let them be there's no there's no bullshit like every week there's a competition to see who gets voted off the island or like who's going to get the rose this week you know it's it's just six people living together week to week and they just kind of film their lives in Tokyo, they do have. They give them an automobile to one automobile to share between the six of them, which well, I think is two, weird to. It's two actually, two cars. Okay, still though, like that's still you know ratio Wait, wise they, is they different than it would one, be in America. Don't they say one automobile like every time in the intro? I'm pretty sure it's two cars, but I mean, I, I thought so too. Yeah. But well, you have to keep in mind too. This is Tokyo, not Columbus, so there's actually a, a public transportation system that works and is effective. Mm-hmm. So right, is, uh, right. yeah, punctual. <laughs> yeah, so cars aren't really necessary as they are here in America. Um, yeah, it's. I think my favorite thing about the show is just how calming it is to watch. Like the the drama, it's very subtle drama. So you know, like you don't really have to pay too much attention to it. Um, and then they kind of intercut the lives of these six people with like the hosts who like comment on whatever it is that these six people have done. Oh and my god, I love them so much. Boy, howdy, are they freaking hilarious. <laughs> Dude, I just love how they roast the shit out of everyone. Everyone. Like, there's a guy who's like a tap dancer, and they just call him Tap. And they yeah. keep making fun yeah. of him. They give everybody, yeah, they give everybody nicknames based yeah. on their profession yeah. or just their tap hobbies or whatever. It's yeah. really funny, but... I don't know. You guys started, well, really, Robert, you started talking about this a couple weeks back, and I was like, what is this thing that I have no interest in? And then I put it on just to, you know, just on a whim, and it got me pretty quickly because it's basically the real world, that old show on MTV, but just in Tokyo with Japanese uh, people. And 
I don't know, Robert, I have a question for you. What uh-huh. evil have you wrought into my life? <laughs> because <laughs> now I'm addicted to the show. And before I knew it, I was on like the end of episode four or five in like all in one sitting. And it is very addicting. Like I said, it's very uh, just I'm just, I'm shocked and I'm taking it back at how freaking polite everybody is at least in the yeah. beginning yeah wait, wait, wait. It's okay super so you- polite it's way different than any kind of jersey shore or real world las vegas <laughs> would ever be dude so you you you've gotten up through episode five somewhere around those parts yeah but i was up for a while for a couple hours watching it last okay night. so who's who's your favorite character so far my favorite character i mean i think the most interesting character at this point is tap because okay. I, the, the last episode okay. I watched, okay, yeah, this Yuki. is like this is the version of Japanese drama that like this show is branded upon. So he, it's his birthday party, and they're sitting around the table, all eating a meal together. And oh, he, okay. and he yeah, starts going around the table, and he's like, "So, what's everyone's like life goals or in, in ambitions? What's your dreams? What do you want?" And this one girl starts telling, talking about her feelings, and and I'm sitting next to my wife, by the way, on the couch while we're watching this. And the one girl starts talking about her feelings and her dreams and her goals and her life ambitions and tap on his birthday, by the way, which makes it just extra weird because you can't really like dog a dude on his birthday. But he was like, ah, it's not very focused. I'm not following you. I don't know. It doesn't really sound like a great plan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she just starts bawling. <laughs> and then uh, the, and then so he's so the girl sitting next to him on his left and the girl that's sitting next to him on his right starts crying as well. So he's surrounded by two girls crying now. <laughs> And, and he's, he's just like looking around. He's yeah, like, and he's just what's like, going yeah. on? Yeah, and he and I don't know. He acted ignorant to the fact, but it was a weird thing. I think it was a weird cultural kind of difference because I didn't really understand why you would ever say anything like that. But then later in the episode, it's revealed that he's saying that to try and make them stronger. Right. You know, try yeah, try to be more like him. Which I was like, whoa, yeah, dick move tap, thing. yeah. On yeah, your birthday, yeah. you dick. Yeah. Um, that's not even like the pinnacle of drama that happens to like. I know. And, I'm sure yeah. that would be weird if it was. Yeah, I'm Man. sure it gets places. Don't spoil me. Uh, yeah. But, I'm, no. No spoilers, yeah. of course. But I have to say, this show is like really refreshing. Like, even if you're a fan of like other reality TV shows, you know, like The Bachelor, Bachelorette. Um, I really can't name other ones because I kind of don't follow it. Um, but if you're a fan of reality TV, like give Terrace House a shot just because it. It's a breath of fresh air. It's something new. Uh, it's something you probably haven't seen anything like before, even though it's like kind of similar to like real world and MTV back in the day. Like The premise. I, yeah, I think that a lot of what Terrace House does and a lot of the messages that come out of it are so like there's like they're from a whole different world. You know what I mean? They're from the entire side right. of the planet. So it's a whole different way of thinking. Yeah. To me, it's kind of just a good examination of Japanese culture. You know, and I'm interested in that culture. It's just very different than my own. And so it's just kind of like a social experiment mixed in with uh, Japanese life. And it's really, really good. I'm so shocked that I'm liking it. But I heard there's like 46 episodes of this season. And uh, we'll see how long it takes me to get there. But I did do five or six in a night. Yeah. I mean, the next season they do in Hawaii. And that's still ongoing. So we'll Mm -hmm. see what happens with that. Yeah, just uh, piggybacking off of Jack, like, yeah, it's just, I think that's probably a big reason why it's so interesting, right, is just watching, you know, watching something like this unfold in a country that is so, I mean, for lack of a better word, foreign, right? It's just, it's something happening in a country that I don't really know a terribly huge amount, Um, but what's great about it is, as they intro every show, they say, like, oh, of course, there's no script. You know, so all of it's like and all of it feels genuine, right? It's all feels really real. 
Yeah. And you can tell it's just people, just real people just trying to get the get the hell on with their lives and just do their thing. Right. And that's what I that's what I like about it. It just feels real. That's why I care about these. I'm starting to care about these characters so much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The people just feel like they're not faking it. You know, I mean, no, to, to be fair, to be honest, parts of it probably are a little fake, like parts of it may be orchestrated in some way. Oh, really? Yeah, I, mean, it, I mean, it just it has to like, come on, reality TV. Like, it can't be. Like, it's hard for me to imagine all of this stuff did happen without any kind of nudging from the well, producers. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Well, uh, you, um, they do do, like, a lot of editing, right? There's a lot of time skipping going on, too. That you have to yeah. keep that in mind. Well, yeah, it's not um, a real time, like, 24-7 kind of thing. I just I can't get right. over how freaking polite everyone is. And I just wonder yeah. how long it's going to last. But it's just so much different than I'm used to. Like, you know, in America, people would be getting crazy stupid and running around the house like as soon as they get there where this show everyone comes in very quietly walks up the stairs but they all put their bag in the same corner of the room they all sit down very quietly fold their hands in their lap and smile and make small talk not too loud though until the next person comes in and then all six people are there and one of the first things they say to each other is I'm excited to live with you (laughs) (laughs) just like what planet am I on yeah Yeah. that first episode is like so awkward a little because you you know, because they're just like, they're all kind of meeting each other. They're like, uh, so like, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah. you know. But that's uh, that's Terrace House, Boys and Girls in the City on Netflix. It's there now. You can check it out. And I am excited to see what happens. Yeah. I, guess, I can't wait to uh, talk to you guys more about it. Same. Uh, disclaimer, though, it is like full Japanese. So like subtitle, like you'll have to read subtitles if you want to watch it. Uh, so if that's not your bag, do it anyway. It's really good. Uh, uh, I, hope, I hope a, a fan made dub version comes out because I'd like to do one of the voices. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, Just have all all three of us do the three guys in the house. Oh god, that'd be funny. That'd be funny, dude. Wait, 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 real quick. Who would you who would you be if you had to voice one of them? Who would you? Oh, be? I would have to be the baseball player, Bokoto. Mm. Yeah, and I think yeah. Robert is the hairdresser. Oh really? Oh, sure. You, oh, you and really? T- you think Robert's Uchi? Yes, and I think you're the oh. uh, I think you're the uh, tap dancer. Dude, on a, and that's funny because he, he, he Yuki is my favorite character. There you go. Okay, huh. I yeah. think I think those all fit. I don't know. It just, I mean, I I know better characters that come in later in the show. I won't comment, but okay, yes. okay. Let's move on to some American media here. So in the past week, two pretty big trailers kind of dropped that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Jack, you want to hit us off with that? Yeah, that just came out today, a matter of hours ago. I guess the Punisher. Uh, TV series is coming to Netflix to join the family uh, fresh off the news of Marvel and and or I'm sorry fresh off the news of Disney and Netflix being divorced they're still not slowing down any of these shows they have in production so uh, we saw it we all kind of saw it I watched it once uh, what are you guys yeah one only once yes only. The, I think how much money okay go watch the Punisher trailer on Netflix come back to this podcast and here you are. Okay, so what did you think of the music? I mean, they had... I don't see a lot of Metallica licensing their songs to anything. They're very just, notoriously, like, stringent on that kind of stuff. They clamp down. I remember Lars Ulrich back in the 90s. One of his biggest fears was that Enter Sandman would be on some, like, Nike commercial or something like that. Yeah. And now they're licensing out to the Punisher. Um, it was the best part of the whole trailer for me was the syncing <laughs> up with the song. Um but I don't know. I, I I don't want to give my opinion totally right now. But I'm curious, Colin. What did you think? So <clears throat> I'm I'm right there with you. Like the highlight for me because I'm a massive massive Metallica fan was hearing one in there. Right. Um. I I really like the rendition of it that they had it in there. And you're right. It, like 
it's you never hear Metallica really all that much uh, in for for licensed stuff anyway. Uh, I think the last time I heard Metallica in like a movie or a TV show or anything was the beginning of Zombieland because they had a For oh. Whom the Bell Tolls. In oh, there. Yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then you have to think too, Virginia Tech, their football team, they come out to entertainment. I wonder if the university. Had oh to pay yeah, for that's that. a thing too. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. But it's How very does, rare um, still. Well, uh, uh, your favorite. Uh, fighter Brock Lesnar used to come out to entertainment as well. I don't know how Wait, it works for fighters. No, did but, he? Yeah, he did. <sighs> I hate him even more now. When you say favorite, you mean my I mean, nemesis. I meant sarcasm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when I first watched it, I was watching it like during our pre-show where we were just kind of like figuring out uh, this podcast and I, like Colin and Jack were talking about something and I'm just watching a trailer and I just say, is this motherfucker playing one on an acoustic guitar right now? <laughs> And then With they I'm gonna teach you this song right now. It's a really happy song, kiddo. I'm like yeah. <laughs> just playing one darkness and presenting me. Okay, we can't sing too much or we're gonna get a copyright yeah, strike. So. Gonna, yeah, Lars, yeah. we're sorry. Please yeah, don't yeah, hit us. Please no. Yeah. Um, but it, hey, he, they to be fair, he's the, way uh, more lenient on that now. Yeah. They synced up the gunshots with the double bass. I, part. I could not that stop laughing at it though. I'm gonna be honest. I found it hilarious. Well, you're not in the Marvel Universe, and I'm not really into it to this extent either. I've never watched a Punisher film or anything that I actually liked. And there have been multiple Punisher movies, live-action movies, out in Hollywood. I don't know if you guys remember, but they did it in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They did it in the aughts. Uh, and I just it's never really resonated with me. So it's not a character that I can relate to pretty well. But, I mean, he's a guy whose family gets murdered. Tell me if you've heard this before. And he goes to take revenge, and he's a big vigilante, and he wears black and yeah so He's i don't edgy. know i you know i, I there's a lot of quality uh marvel shows on netflix supposedly i wouldn't know because i don't watch any of them really but i'm not gonna watch this one especially not based off that trailer i'm not it doesn't do it for me yeah i um uh, i saw the original punisher movie that they put out uh years ago uh and i don't remember hating it but I also remember that it was insanely unrealistic. Like, dude takes like 15 bullets and still isn't dead, ends up living. <laughs> and, like, just goes the rest of the movie, like, fine. I'm just going to take my revenge out on all of you. Um, so, so he's I, like a Nick Cage at the end of Con Air. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> without, and- <laughs> without the epic, you know, guitar solo esque background music. Oh, um, but uh, I, I do. I will say one thing the 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 only thing that would kind of get me to watch the uh, this this show or even consider it is their casting choice because I do like that I I don't know the actor's name but I do like the who they cast it as quote unquote the Punisher because um, he played uh, Shane on The Walking Dead and I really liked his character mm. is very well acted um, but otherwise I don't know like it seemed kind of uh, pretty mediocre I mean I guess it would be it seems like one of those things like you put it on the background. And just kind of space out, but yeah. otherwise. Well, The Punisher is going to be coming out sometime before the end of this year on Netflix, so we'll have to wait and see when that's announced. Um, but another trailer dropped for Tomb Raider, the movie, uh, and we all kind of watched it before the show, too. What did you guys think of that? I'll go first here. So, again, this isn't the first time they tried to bring this property, Tomb Raider, to the silver screen. Yeah, it wasn't the uh, last uh, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, yeah and the, uh, the Cradle of Life. Yeah, but there was, was the also an Angelina one. Jolie yeah. movie just called Tomb Raider before that as well. So, all I remember about the Cradle of Life is that stupid corn song <laughs> that they had, like, a music video, and they're, like, tying it in. I'm just like, oh, this isn't any good, but... 
I don't know how I feel. I don't think I feel good about this new movie. And they're really trying to bring that kind of adventure Indiana Jones vibe to Laura Laura Croft. Sorry, people get triggered if you say Laura Croft. Did you guys know that? Yeah. British people specifically. You need to say Laura Croft. So anyways, they have cast Alicia Vikander. Vikander. Uh, you might remember her from that movie where she played a cyborg killer. Uh, Ex Machina, right? Yeah, Ex Machina. Yeah. Machina, and I actually did see that movie. And that's a good movie. Um, but she won some awards, I think, or, or that movie won some awards for like best visual effects, like an Oscar or something like that. Anyways, she's Laura Croft now, and I think it's ruining it for me, kind of. I think I'm not into it because I think she might be miscast. And I don't have a great feeling about this movie. Uh, but the music is by Junkie XL, though, which is cool. It's directed by a man named Roar Uthog. So Vikings okay. are literally making this movie. What? Oh, I <laughs> yeah. thought that sounded like I was like, is that the name of an orc? No, that, <laughs> we literally have Dovahkiin, uh at the helm here. So, yeah, I don't know. What are, you guys want to chime in with your thoughts here quickly? Um. So I, 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 I almost feel like i can agree with you i haven't seen her the previous movies that she's been in but i feel like i can agree that she's been miscast i just didn't feel like she was laura croft or laura laura whatever yeah um i do i do think that they are going really hard they're pushing the uh the atmosphere of the movie to really follow that of the rebooted series that's came out in the past few years yeah the the new games are hot by the way those new two oh yeah they're they're great yeah they're both good the games like they all the way down to the freaking uh gray tank top she was wearing like it seemed like they were pushing for it really hard yeah uh but i just not really not really feeling it yet i was i was waiting for nicholas cage to come out and it was gonna be <laughs> if like only we treasure. were that lucky to be blessed with cage of course. uh the movie does come out march 16th next year and hey prove me wrong hopefully i'm wrong i love being right. wrong about these kind of things i want all movies and games to be good so what do you think of course. Robert? I don't know. I mean, it's it's very obvious this is like a tie into the video games. Like Square Enix, their name, their logo is in the trailer even. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like absolutely no question. Uh, you see the the iconic ice pick all in like the marketing and in the trailer. So it's like, it's very clear to me that this is like the brand new like rebooted Lara Lara Croft. Lara guys, Lara Lara Craft, Lara Craft. Yeah, Lara Croft. Um. I don't know. Like, when I just looked at the trailer, like, I played the first Lara Croft game. I didn't bother picking up the second one just because, like, I've got so much, so many other games oh, on my plate that I want to play. Bro. And I know it's good. No, I, because, I, like, I love the first one. But Can I just say, it looks so good on PC. Oh, it's so good. It. it unleashes the power. Mm, unleash the power of your GTX 1080. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. When I just saw the trailer, I felt like this is pretty generic. Like, if you had named it. Yeah. You know, you could slap any name at the end of that trailer, and I'd be like, oh, cool, an action movie. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Teenage right, Girl right. Adventure Time. <laughs> the movie. That's what I right. call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It looked like, it, looked like um, it was a very empty feeling Indiana Jones or something. We'll see how Roar does. I don't know. I mean, again, like Jack, I, I want everything to succeed, but who knows? I'll tell you someone else that took an L this Uh-oh. past weekend. And that was the judge for the Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight. Have you guys heard about the outcome? Have you seen anything? Her name's Adelaide Bird. She's one of the three judges for a fight and really, really messed up. What I heard know? 
a lot of people are very, very, very mad with the outcome of this uh, boxing match. So this is, <laughs> real quick, <laughs> this is like the biggest fight of the year. And we don't have to talk about this too long, but I was so hyped for it. Canelo Alvarez, he's that redheaded Mexican guy with freckles. And that looks like an Irish dude. And then he was versus my favorite boxer on the planet right now, uh, uh, Gennady Gadayevich Golovkin Triple G from uh, what? Yeah, from three times from Kazakhstan. And uh, yeah, he has a really funny accent too. He's like, I make big drama show. I hear for the (laughs) the people come watch my fight. Thank you, America. Make good fight. And so no, he's awesome, dude. But uh, and he's a bruiser and he throws around a couple bazookas there for fists. So anyways, it was in all aspects, definitely a fight that is going to be remembered as a modern classic lived up to the hype. If you just want to see two huge knockout artists punch each other in the face, neck and body for 12 straight rounds, it went the complete distance. No one went down. They both proved that they had complete iron chins i was so excited multiple multiple rounds of just awesome boxing action i was no one was disappointed everyone thought it was a great fight but also the consensus was that triple g had pulled it out in a close one by a couple rounds and pretty much all the experts agreed that this should be triple g's fight um and you know what? It went to decision, and it really sucked. So one judge uh, got Gennady Golovkin, uh, Gennady Triple G. He had him as the winner. The other judge had Canelo Alvarez as the winner, which no one understood. Everyone's like, what? And then get this, guys. So the third judge had it as a draw. So by boxing <sighs> rules, it was just a draw. Wow. So no one won, which which this is now the first blemish on um, Triple G's record because he was undefeated. He was I can't remember the exact record. It was something like uh, 38 and oh, with like 33 knockouts, something stupid like that. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. And he destroys people. He wrecks people, man. He throws them into another dimension when he knocks people out. But uh, yeah, so this is the first quote unquote blemish now on his record, right? Because he has this draw now. So now he's going to be like 38, zero or 38 zero and one now you know forever because of this uh one judge named adelaide bird who as i understand is a nice lady but she got the she got the fight completely wrong by every single person's estimation because she gave canelo alvarez the person who actually lost the fight she gave him the fight by eight full rounds she said that he won the the fight eight rounds to four and no one saw the fight that she saw. So even Oscar De La Hoya, who's the head promoter, runs Golden Boy Promotions and Boxing and was running this fight. Canelo Alvarez is even his fighter. He benefited from this judgment. Even Oscar De La Hoya is calling for her suspension. Wow. That's how like that's how Holy like objectively shit. incorrect this was. So I feel bad. You know, like I said, I, as I understand, she's a very nice lady. I never met the woman, but... She has all of the boxing world right now, like, up in a tizzy. So this is good for boxing because we get a rematch now. It might not be good for either of these boxers' mental health, though, or physical health because, man, they were taking shots. And the thing I really took away from this fight was that both those guys displayed that they have an iron chin, man. They were taking their best shots straight to the face and just kept going forward. Canelo kept counterpunching. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a modern classic. I can't wait to watch it again, the replay on HBO this Saturday. I'm going to watch this fight a couple times because it was one of the best boxing matches I've ever seen. Too bad it had to go to the judges. Um, too bad um, Triple G couldn't finish him, but I do look forward to the rematch eventually. Question for you, Jack, real quick. So 
you said uh, remind me what you said again. You said uh, Triple G won what was it eight of the match? No, of the no, matches? no, no, no. He was okay. a, a lot of experts said that he probably won by a couple rounds. He um, oh, he got okay. off to a slow start. He dominated the middle rounds pretty soundly, and then Canelo had a little bit of a uh, spurt at the end. The final three rounds, uh, every judge on the card had Canelo winning the final three rounds. But but okay. everyone's everyone's judgment also, most people's judgment that watched the fight, was that um, Gennady did enough and dominated enough in the middle of the fight to, to, despite getting off to a slow start and losing the last rounds, still win the fight if it went to the distance. Gotcha. So... So I remember reading that this Adelaide Bird, right? She scored it was like one eighteen, one eighteen, one ten, or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and so the difference there was eight point difference there. I don't necessarily know how boxing right. scoring works. I can tell you real quick. So there, it runs okay. on something called a ten point must system. So what it means is if you win the, so there's basically a winner and a loser for every round. If you win the okay. round, you get ten points. If you lose the round, oh. you get nine points. So the winner must score 10 points. The loser has to be less. Now, there is something called a 10-8 round where that's if the dude is getting his ass whooped left and right and he's you know about to go down but never you know never officially gets knocked down, then the judges can score that a 10-8 round. Like you just got dominated that much. Also, if you get knocked down, that's usually a point off the score too. Um, so yeah, there's, there, and there's also ways that judges can punish you for poor behavior. If you're elbowing somebody or if you're hitting low and they warn you too many times, they can deduct a point from you as well. So the judge, that's up to them. Uh, the referee uh, is up to them to deduct points. So, but basically every, um, every one of those rounds, someone has to get 10 points essentially. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah. So when it's 18, 10, that means that she said that he won eight more rounds. Yeah, that's a huge margin. And no one saw that fight. Margin. So, I mean, yeah. they, they actually are sitting her down. They're, like, putting her in detention. They're sitting her down and making her rewatch the fight and rescore the fight, like, with her boss in a room to see what she saw. <laughs> I've read that in the story. They're making her do that. So, she's definitely under scrutiny Damn. right now. But she has right. a history. She has a history of having controversial decisions. And she has a history of certain boxing promotion companies requesting that she's not on a fight. So, how, wow. wait, how old is this woman? Older, I don't. I don't really know older. about her. And her credentials are. I mean, she has judged hundreds of fights now. Okay, in her career, she's okay. older. She's definitely retirement age. But the ma- the way she got into the industry was that her husband is a referee. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty mm. interesting. Yeah, so we'll see. But her name definitely got out there. And I don't want to make this all about her because I really want to celebrate the fight. I just wish that it was judged fairly, and no one really, you know, thinks that it was. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, let's move on to the game section of our podcast. Let's talk about some of the video games that we have played. Yeah, in the past week. Colin, you want to hit us off? Okay, yeah. Um, So last week was uh, Nintendo's Direct on, was it Wednesday, right? Yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday at 6. And so uh, after the conference, they released the demo for this Square Enix Enix, uh, JRPG called Project Octopath Traveler. Yeah, we talked a little bit about and, it in last week's podcast. Right. Yeah, we mentioned it a little bit, and so we, so we all were, we all jumped up on our switch, uh, switches post conference and downloaded this uh, little demo. Well, I don't know if little's the word for it. It's a pretty big demo, honestly. It's, uh, it's man. What, what would we say? It's like forty five minutes to the thank you screen, then you can keep playing. Robert, I mean, I've got two hours in it. <laughs> I could easily get two hours into it. I'm about an hour and a half <laughs> in it right now. Right. Yeah. So it's it's definitely like bigger than most demos i've probably ever played and so uh, this game i i will say man i remember last week on our episode i was i was knocking i wasn't 
completely knocking it, but I was knocking the battle system a little bit. I really liked the uh, the art style a lot, the two, the HD two D thing that they got going with all the sprite work and all that. It's really it's really nice to look at, and all the ambient lighting and stuff they got, and the fog effects and all that fancy stuff. Um, but the battle system is what really surprised me. Right, is that I thought it was going to be kind of boring turn based based on the trailers I was watching, but once I got you know a hold of it and you know, I noticed that you can, you know, you can power up your attacks and you can basically stack a whole bunch of attacks together and you have to strategize when to defend and when to attack and when you should actually, like, use your multiplier or boost mode. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the amount of strategy that goes into every battle, even if it's a bigger or a smaller enemy, was it like, it's great. And it had me hooked instantly. And I actually really appreciated that they weren't afraid to make the demo a little bit difficult. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so they weren't afraid to throw some harder en- enemies at you, and the boss fight right before the uh, the thank you screen for each character uh, was very satisfying when you got to beat the boss. Like, they weren't a pushover by any means, but they were fun to fight. What do you guys think? Yeah, um, so I'd, I'd like to just go on record here and say, boy, was I wrong last week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I was the one of the three of us that was very much like, "Ooh, this is." I'm not excited. What is this bullshit? Because it's by the same guys who made Bravely Default, which oh, right, right, I'm right. not a big fan of. Um, but this game, they've done so many things right, and they've made the battle system infinitely better by just making a couple small tweaks. So yeah, like the graphics are amazing. I'm sure like everyone knows that by now. It looks very good. It's very pretty and very um. It feels nice to play like it, you know, it's the whole seeing is believing kind of thing. Like seeing the trailers is one thing, but actually moving your character in that world. Phenomenal. It looks so great. Um, And the battle system. So what makes it better than Bravely Default is that in Bravely Default, they did this thing where like if you defend, you gain a boost point, but then you can expend your boost points to like power up your attacks. But you can go like below zero number of boost points so like let's say at turn one you have one boost point and you want to boost your power up to four times that puts you down to negative three for so for the next three turns you can't do jack um in this game but jack's right here yeah and you can do him oh <laughs> what i'm just sitting here guys nobody asked for this i colin did he put it out there i'm a married um, man just, just subscribe to our five dollar patreon level and you'll oh, have your oh, shot at no, jack please no no no, no. no, no. <laughs> so you're pimping me out now colin is that your attempt at making amends <laughs> you're, twi- you're too I'm quiet the one over there jack man i had to get your i'm spoken for i'm an honest man damn it <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, in Bravely Default System, it was just, like, this idea of, like, high risk, high reward, but, like, the failures that can happen when you risk too much are just, they're not punishing, they're just boring to me. Whereas in this game, they take away that whole, like, you can't boost more than zero or, like, low, like, you can't go below zero number of boost points. So you're never going to have a turn in this turn-based battle where you can't do anything, which is great and they've thrown in this like persona style like figure out the bo- the enemy's weakness hit their weakness and then when you break their shield they can't act for the next turn which mm-hmm. i mean i don't know if i've told you guys about how much i like persona but that, you've mentioned that it system, once or twice. that system's <laughs> right up my alley in terms of turn-based battles so yeah i'm pretty okay. i'm pretty into what they've done with the battle system i think it's way better i think okay. the story they've told is really cool i played through primrose's story and it's darker than i thought they'd go and i haven't played um, that one yet i'm very yeah, happy I haven't either 
um jack what are you what are your impressions of this okay so obviously i will start with the visuals because that is one of the most significant elements of this game and this is one of the rare games where all three of us have played it and can talk about a game on the podcast now so this will be interesting uh it's basically like if you take i mean heavily 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 inspired by final fantasy 6 i'm not sure if you guys are aware Mm. but uh Mm -hmm. it is basically take final fantasy 6 on the snes uh pseudo 3d put it in 16 by 9 and then slap about eh, 9 or 13 uh instagram filters on the image and then that's yeah, lighting, you know? right. I mean it's like every Instagram <laughs> filter like every image yeah. and the whole the whole game is like vignetted too right or vignette however you say that yeah, yeah, with like yeah. the blackened corners and stuff and like the whole game's like that so yes it looks great it's it's great uh I am very much looking forward though to that uh survey that they also mentioned they're going to be having people fill out I'm going to track that down because I have some like concerns about this game and I don't know where to really begin. I, I agree for the most part with most of you guys are saying, but one concern that is an easy tweak is they need to, in my opinion, fix the walking speed in that game. It's too slow. Run should be, the run speed now should be the walk speed, and there should be a speed faster than that when you run, especially when you're going north and south. It's so slow. And also, you bring up Persona 5, and it reminded me of this as well. In Persona 5, when you go to the store and you upgrade your weapon, they make the experience so nice. They just automatically say, you want to buy this? Yes. Do you want to equip it now? Yes. Do you want to sell your old weapon? Yes. Okay, so you walk out the store, everything. I don't know if you guys upgraded your gear in this game. It is, oh, it's so clunky and so shitty, and it took forever to do that exact thing that Persona has has gleefully uh, uh, been able to kind of expedite that process of upgrading your gear in Octopath Traveler. You, it's just, you have to go through menu, you have to buy it. Then you have to go in, you have to take off your old thing, change it. Then you have to go to another menu, sell it. Then you have to go, you know, and then that's the only way you can really get an updated um, uh, report of like how it's going to boost or downgrade your stats too, is only after you change the armor. Oh yeah, I did find that really annoying. Yeah, it's just super annoying. So they can, these are easy fixes though. These are easy fixes. One thing, though, that I don't think is going to be much of an easy fix is that I didn't personally find so different enemies in this game have different weaknesses. But in this demo, for the sake of the demo, they only have two weaknesses, either your spear or your sword. You know, both are bladed things, right? Like, it's just kind of a funny concept. Like, oh, the sword. Fuck a sword. Oh, spear shit. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But but fuck me. He's got a spear. I didn't find that part very compelling. I thought it just added unneeded complexity to the battles, whether or not you have to hit him with a spear or with a sword. And then also some abilities are tied to certain weapons. So certain abilities would only work on someone that's weak to a spear and vice versa. So I didn't really appreciate that. I think they were trying to add an extra layer of complexity that I think would have been better served elsewhere. Um, I have to think about it and ruminate on it more to come up with a better idea. But I just think that the, the combat system didn't need that. I did find it difficult in the beginning, before I really figured out the boost um, mechanic, once I got that, the game became incredibly easy for me. And I never, I'm, I'm not even trying to brag, guys, but I never used defend once. What I Same. would do is I would just, yeah, I would just heal myself. Because they give you a lot of, uh, in the demo, they give you a lot of, uh, oh yeah, only in video games, by the way, can you <laughs> roam, roam a mountaintop. Find a nice manicured, perfect, shiny little treasure chest there. Open it up, and there's a grape. <laughs> and then, and, oh, it's okay. Yeah. Oh, all right, yeah. video games. There's a grape in this treasure chest on top of this mountain. I think that's great. <laughs> 
Would so, you say it's grape? It's grape. Yeah, it's just it's just funny, you know. Um, but I think so. I thought that was funny, and also I kind of thought that the dialogue, which most of it is fully spoken. There are no cutscenes in this, though. It's all in-game engine. But uh, certain parts are fully uh, voiced, which is expensive, um, which is kind of funny sounding. I think the voice acting and the writing, in a way, almost came across as a parody of JRPGs rather than a sincere, earnest effort. It was just, that's where that's where I heard, Crivens! <laughs> like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, that little kid, you know? Like, yeah. it, was just, it was just hilarious. But I couldn't really take it seriously. And then... Um, for for a lot of the dialogue, it was just that old tally ho, and then they say you know like a whole paragraph in text that you have to read, or they say to the last. You know they have like one little thing they say, and then you yeah, read yeah. what they're actually saying. So my to, blade is unbending. To see to see whoa <laughs> <laughs> to see uh, that kind of like bumped up against each other that those different styles of storytelling in the same engine was a little disjointing to me. Um, so yeah, you know, but again, this game is a, is a ways off the things that I want them to change, I think could be easy changes for the most part, save for the spear mechanic and the sword. Let's mechanic try the title first before anything. Keep it Octopath Traveler. That's a good title. I like it. It's stupid and I like it and I want it to be, <laughs> I want it to stay. That. I will be disappointed if they change that. I will be, uh, Dude, no, I'm waiting for them to come out like, come out and be like, Oh, this is actually a final fantasy game. Boom. Final oh, fantasy like, 16. <laughs> Yeah, Octo Fantasy Traveler. Yep, <laughs> the eight gems <laughs> of stones. God, that, that sounds like a hentai or some. Oh shit. no! Yeah, let's bring that into this. No, um, no. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sweet. I got something like totally off the path here. Since we're talking about games here, we're talking about gems and shit. Did you guys see the collector's edition? Oh no! Yes. Oh, yes. So you guys know what I'm talking about. So let me Easter versus came Capcom. late yep. this year. Oh Lord, did it! So let me just explain real quick for the audience if you're not aware. Uh, yesterday, what was the name of the game officially? Is it Marvel vs. Capcom Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Infinite. Yep. Okay, so the game's got its problems already. But on top of the kind of middling reviews, lukewarm reviews, uh, they released a $200 SKU for the collector's edition. And they also released uh, some images of what you can expect. And one of the main uh, coup de gras uh, pieces of the package is your very own chest with infinity gems. All of them, all six of them, is it? And they light yeah. up and they look in the picture, okay? They look very crystalline. They look very shiny. They look very deep, very rich in color. And they have this like lighting effect that lets them glow in this chest. Now, you can't pick them up or take them out either. Did you guys know that? They just yep. sit there and they're glued in there. So that's what people were expecting. And they didn't exactly nail it with this one, I would say. What they actually got when they ponied up their $200 was basically what looks exactly like those fucking plastic Easter eggs <laughs> in a chest. I mean, Google image this. It looked exactly like they just took half of the eggs, glued them in, and some fucking stupid shiny lights underneath. But it looks nothing like the picture, and I would be so pissed. If I was one oh, of those yeah. people that bought that, same dude. It's like I was get. It was reminding me of. Uh, well, someone someone posted a picture. I think it was Destin Legary from IGN. Yeah. Um. He posted a picture. He's like, 
so like I'm gonna I'm gonna show you like uh, a simile for what this Infinity Stone debacle is like. So it showed a picture of a dude cosplaying as Isaac Clark from Dead Space, and then it showed him cosplaying as Isaac Clark from Dead Space. The dude was like on the left had like a really professional fucking like crazy expensive cosplay suit. The dude on the right had like he looks like he was wearing trash bags. Oh, no. oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. Speaking of Dead Space, though, that's what it reminds me of. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a Dead Space Two Collector's Edition. They came out. There's a collection of the, everything, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But this one in particular got a lot of bad press because it came with a replica plasma cutter. And this plasma cutter looked I like think I a, know, yeah. It looked like a fucking Happy Meal toy. Oh my <laughs> well, no, like people thought it was going to be like a, a gun that you could hold, right? Like people thought it was going to be like life-size scale, right? Yeah. Is that what people were expecting? Then it came out and it was like yes. super tiny. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah. It was a keychain basically damn near yeah yeah it was bad these are examples of something that people are heavily anticipating being good being bad but what i want to talk about now is something that myself included a lot of people were expecting to be bad that is actually good and that my fine dudes is metroid samus returns on the 3ds are you privy yo so like I don't really remember hearing anyone saying they were expecting it to be bad, though. Oh, are you kidding me? A lot I of I mean, pe- not from my, not I from what I saw. Do, but, well, okay, I mean, well, well, listen. Hold, hold on, hold on. That doesn't matter, though, right? Like at this point, it's what you guys think of the game. You've played it. Oh, yeah. very amicable of you. But this is why I thought it was going to be a steaming pile of horse shit. Is because Mercury <laughs> Steam developed it. Okay, and okay. Mercury Steam, if you remember, they were the developers of Castlevania: Lords of Shadow, Mirror of Fate, back in 2013 for the 3DS. No, that I was didn't know that. Terrible. That game was so bad. And this is an example of them. It's a it's a Castlevania game, right? There's a term right. called Castlevania or Metroidvania because both these two games have their own style and and it's been repeated ad nauseum adopted by the indie community and every like fifth game that comes out now is a quote unquote Metroidvania game, but this is the series that started it all. Um Super fair argument, fair yeah, argument. Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo is absolutely in my top three games of all time. Like, I have a little space. So I have a sleeve on my left arm, tattoo sleeve, and I have a little space near my wrist, and I want to do maybe, like, the Morph Ball right there. Like, I've been thinking, like, I need it because I have the Mario Kart shell, and I have some other... and I have the really? Zelda, Yeah, and I have the... I've never showed you? I'll, well, no. I'll sh- well, not good for a podcast. But, yeah, I have the Super Mario Kart shell as a tattoo, <laughs> and then I also have um, the bow and arrow from uh, Zelda, like, as well. And so wow. I'm like, I need to add some kind of Metroid thing to this sleeve here to complete the the the, the trifecta. trifecta exactly. But but fucking nerd. That's absolutely. <laughs> that's why I'm on the show. But uh, that is how much I love this series. And I when I heard that Mercury Steam was making this game, I was just said, oh no, this is going to really sully the name, drive the Metroid brand in the dirt. Because if you remember Metroid Other M. They're not coming off of a good track record. And yeah. then what else? That Federation Force? Federation that, Force. Yeah, no, we will uh. never speak of that game. We will never speak of that game ever again. So I I had low hopes, low hopes. And boy, am I so happy to be wrong here. This game, I'm just going to say it right now, is the best 3DS game of the year. This is absolutely going to be in my top 10. This game is fantastic because it's everything I love about the Metroid series, but also has elements in gameplay that are new to the series that I didn't even know that I would enjoy and would like. And 
I am very, very surprised. I've been playing it for probably, eh, I don't know, four or five hours or so. I got the various suit. I got the wave beam. And it is challenging. And there are boss encounters. The, the one, yeah, that's one thing I will say. The boss encounters can become repetitive a little bit. Um, but I, but there are, it varies as you go on to the game. The game is long as I understand as well. Um, definitely around the 10-hour mark or so for a handheld. That's pretty beefy. Uh, the graphics, you know, they're, they're, it's a consequence of the, of the platform that they're on. They look about as good as a 3DS game can look. But, man, that screen, after looking at my iPhone for a while, that's the screen on 3DS looks like you're looking through a screen door, you know, out to your porch. Yeah. Like, it's just real muddy. Yeah, it's a good way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, the actually, sound yeah. isn't good. There's really nothing good about the 3DS experience anymore. This is a game, though, that I am playing and enjoying in full 3D. I'm using the new 3DS, so it has really good tracking. And uh, so yeah. I am playing it in 3D. I'm enjoying it that way. But again, the, the graphics are what they are. But the gameplay is really the meat and potatoes behind this game. There are elements of the gameplay that feel like a rhythm game because there are enemies that will just come for your ass like real quick. Like as soon as they see you, they will just dive bomb you and hit you. And you have this new melee attack where you hit the X button, I think it is, and you <laughs> just like swipe up your, your gun and it's like a melee attack. But also if you time it perfectly with when they try and attack you like that, boom, you instant auto lock and you fire and you kill them in like one or two shots. It's so much quicker and easier to kill people with that melee counter than it would be to just sit there and shoot them from afar with your beam or with a missile. And so it really incentivizes you to do it that way and time your shots because you will take care of enemies much quicker and they'll give up a lot uh, more resources as well when you kill them that way as well. So the, uh, yeah, the game is Metroid. It is, if you are a fan of Super Metroid or um, Metroid, is it First Strike, First Mission, the Game Boy remake? I can't remember. Oh, man. I'm not a good Metroid fan here. But anyways, the uh, Metroid Fusion as well. If you're a fan of the 2D Metroid games, this is so so good. I cannot recommend Metroid, it Metroid uh, Zero Mission. Thank you. Yeah. Are you thinking of? Yeah, the, yeah, which is probably up to up till now is probably the best uh, 2D Metroid game uh, save for Super Metroid. Uh, there's nothing that can be Super Metroid, but this game is right up there in quality. And this is going to be among my top 10 games here. I can already tell you. Like that's how much I love this. Wow. I cannot I cannot give this game a higher recommendation. If you have a 3DS, wow. you have to buy it. If you are, if you're a Metroid fan and you don't have a 3DS, like what are you doing? Like you might be forced <laughs> to buy that Metroid 3DS. Like I'm telling you, this is like I've waited yeah, so long. I've waited so long for a good 2D Metroid game. This is like all I wanted, and I didn't even know it was coming out until earlier this year, right? E3, right? It was when we learned yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually, I think oh. I had to tell you after the conference. Seriously, too, yeah, like, yeah, because yeah. Nintendo didn't even pimp it. Like it was way under the radar. So I yeah. am so so happy with this game. Mercury Steam, like, hey, my apologies. You know, uh, your last game was a, a piece of shit, but Metroid wow. uh, Samus Returns, yeah, is, is solid. <laughs> Throwing shade. <laughs> No, yeah, it's uh like from a from a noob standpoint, like I actually do not have near as much experience with the uh the Metroid series uh than I than I would like to have because I just um I mean aside from playing a little bit of the first Prime game, I've never played like I've never played Super Metroid, never played like really the original either. Wow. Um yeah, and I I'd really like to. Um, but buying this game now coming in from like just never having experienced a true Metroid game like this before. I am like in love with it. It's just it's pure, almost basically masterclass type gameplay, right? Um, and I, I mean everything from the counter system to the to the way you jump to all the different abilities that you get. I do uh, very much enjoy it. I do wish that it was on the Switch instead of the 3DS, though. Same. I will say that. Same. Yeah, and um, I think 
I think some of the systems on the uh, the way they map things and the way they do things on the 3ds um, could be could benefit from being uh, on something like the switch instead of the 3ds because um, like one of the one of the problems that I have right is like uh, and this is with a lot of 3ds games is that uh, you get in those positions where you have to use the the touch screen because it has some sort of menu on it or something right that you can only access via the touch screen oh, that's you know annoying. what I mean you can't yeah, so you're sitting there, you know, you, you're putting your hands in an awkward, awkward position where you're trying to play the game, but you also have probably your stylus hanging out of your right hand just so you can hit the touchscreen. I'm not about to hit the touchscreen with my fingers. I'm just not that type of person because <laughs> I don't like to dirty up my touchscreens. Okay. Yeah, um, but I sit there with the stylus, you know, in my in my hand while I'm, like, wrapping my hand around the, uh, the face button so I can, you know, hit the buttons that I need to. And then, so, like, for example, in Super, uh, not Super Metroid, uh, Metroid Samus Returns, when you had to, like, switch between uh i think it's like your regular bolts to your uh like the ice ones yeah, and things yeah. like that mm-hmm. yeah you have to like sit there and hit the touch screen to do that and it, it just gets really annoying Con, though it is designed the ui is designed to just use your right thumb they make those buttons real big and right on the right side just so just you know just lick the cheeto dust off your thumb and go for it man <laughs> go for bro dude i'm sorry but i can't do it that's why <laughs> that's why i don't get anything touch screen man i, I really don't like it's, i bought but a, it, you a laptop have to be, it's designed to be hit with your thumb Oh, well, yeah, it's like, definitely big, so you can access it quickly. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, the game feels really nice to play. And yeah. uh, I, I've heard it, like, um, and uh, let me know what you think of this, Jack. But when I was listening to uh, a podcast, it, it was probably the Game Over, or not the Game Over Radio Show, but the, the Games Cast or whatever. Uh, I think one of them mentioned that they weren't, they were kind of... Eh, about the counter system because it, it slowed down the gameplay. Well, if you're bad, and I don't mean to be that guy. <laughs> oh shit! I don't mean to be that guy. But Wait. listen, it totally. Here's what I mean, and because I'm, and I'm not agreeing either. Like I, I like the counter system. Because I'm it adds bad a nice sometimes dynamic, at this but. game, and I die very quickly when I don't hit those counters. But it's so much infinitely faster if you go in thinking counter first. Okay, in a room mm-hmm. full of enemies, go in thinking counter first, not shoot and kill first. And it, it's so much quicker to, to kill enemies that way, and it looks so much cooler, and it feels so good. And they mm-hmm. do this little, they do a visual kind of cue, a, a tell, and then there's also like an audio kind of click noise, so you know when to counter. So if you're going in there thinking counter first, it'll just be a much smoother, better experience for you overall. But again, if you're going in there thinking old school Metroid style, like, oh, I don't want to counter, I don't want to do the stupid thing, I want to do what I nor- normally do, then it is going to get frustrating, I think. Jack, how can you hate Dark Souls, but like this? <laughs> this is totally different. Come on, Colin. You played both games. This is totally different. You than literally Dark Souls. just said, get good. You essentially just said, get good. <laughs> Dark Souls. Yeah, well, I'm, re- I'm revoking your gaming license. I, bro, bro. I've put, okay, the same amount of hours in Dark Souls as I have in Metroid. And I've actually made a thing called progress in Metroid, whereas I'm still at the beginning of Dark Souls. So that's why I'm, I'm staying on this. The carrot is is right in front. I can see where the carrot is, and I'm chasing it still. Whereas the carrot, they take it, and they fucking throw it in the toilet in Dark Souls. Fair enough. <laughs> so, Metroid, man, I I, I also want to just say, the, my final thought on this game is that the music is awesome. And now, again, it is cartridge-based. It is on a 3DS, but it is remixed and evocative of the original score in Super Metroid. And each area has its own score. And man, I just think it's very, it adds so much to the atmosphere. Uh, let me see, who's the composer? Okay, Daisuke Matsuoka. Sorry, Dice, I messed Daisuke, that up. Probably. Daisuke, Daisuke Matsuoka. Matsuoka. Anyways, yeah. 
awesome, awesome job. I'm actually like the music's so good. I want to see what else he's composed. Like it's Thanks. solid, solid. It get it definitely lives up to uh, the the score from Koji Kondo in previous games. I, I am so high on this game right now, guys. I again, I cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great, man. Uh, I I'm gonna continue. I haven't gotten too far yet, but like it's definitely I'm gonna make an effort to beat it. You know, because I don't do that with too many games. Yeah, so. I want to see this game through again. You know, one knock I would say is the repetitive boss battles in the beginning, but we'll see what happens later in the game. I I it's definitely doing a really good job of keeping me hooked and keeping me wanting to push on. That's good to hear. Um, so I don't have that Metroid crack cocaine that you guys are on, but I have my <laughs> own, uh, you know, off-brand crack cocaine that I've been playing like all freaking weekend. Yeah. Oh man, Divinity: Original Sin Two. You guys heard of that game? I heard of the first yeah. game. We played it and together for like an hour. Can I, can I ask you guys a question, just real quick? Have you guys, have either of you guys seen the animated film by DreamWorks titled "The Road to El Dorado"? Yes. I know of the game or movie. <laughs> Okay, because every time you say Divinity, I always think of the scene where the dude's, uh, what was his name, like Kotal Khan or whatever the hell his name was. He's like, your divinity. And like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but every time you say Divinity, that's the scene I think of. Divinity. Oh my God. That that movie is so good. That sounds funny. The great and powerful gods. So Divinity. You play as a god, basically. Really? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, they you're god woken. You know, you're a special you're a special boy or girl. Stay um, woke. <laughs> man, I don't even know where to start with this game. It's so freaking good. Um so I'm a huge fan of the first game. I have over like hundred and seventy hours in it because I've played it so many times. Um and this game, you know, like I've already put like more hours than I should since it's been out. Uh, so it came out like last Friday, September 14, but it's been in early access for like at least a year and a half, I think. So, you know, you could have bought it beforehand and like played around with it. I think they made a big, like Larian studios, the devs, they made a big point about getting like the first act of it out on early access first. So you kind of have like a meaty section to play before Mm -hmm. they fully release it. And let me tell you, Hmm. I'm not even done with act one and I am like 20 hours in. Damn. How many acts are there? There are three, and like I think the devs mm. said that Act One's about twenty five percent, Act Two is about fifty percent, and Act Ooh. Three is the last twenty five percent. So it's like the Mexico part of Red Dead Re- Revolt Redemption. Yeah, it it's a long game, and wow. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's uh it's a turn based like computer RPG. Um, computer RPG. Computer RPG. Computer RPG. CR- RPG. Yeah, it's a CRPG. Oh, um, man. <laughs> so it's like you, you have play four... the role of a computer. Yeah, you play as a computer, um, and you're trying to become a god. Uh, no. Wow. So, Wait, speaking of gods, I, guys, I just realized I, earlier I said Kotal Khan. That's the Aztec <laughs> god character from fucking Mortal, Mortal Kombat, Kombat X. I, I, just, I just let it go. I was like, whatever. You were like, let it go. Let oh, it yeah, man. I was cool. like, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, okay, back on track. So, anyways, please continue. So yeah, uh, you have like a party of four player or four characters, and like. Uh, so you can like there are different classes that you can choose or like 10 schools of magic or whatever essentially so you can like mix and match it however you please and create like a really dope character um and it's it's like the perfect playground i think is the best way to describe the game in every battle because when you are in a fight it's not as much like like i've never thought oh i need to win this fight like i have to win it's more 
I wonder how this spell interacts with that spell, or I wonder what happens if I shoot a fireball at that thing. You know, it's it's like it's all about experimentation and like having fun with it. Like for example, I have an undead character on my party, so he can only be healed through poison. So what I did is I put him in a pool of poison, made him just stand there to keep healing, and then I summoned totems of poison to keep shooting at him to heal him even more. Oh, cool. And I didn't think that could happen until I actually tried it. And it worked. And Yeah, and it worked, and he never died, and he was like the ultimate archer. And, you know, that's something that you could only get by just playing around with the system that's so flexible, so malleable, that anything literally anything could happen in that game it is really wonderful that sounds like a good time because experimenting in those kind of games is most of the fun and if they give you the tools there just say go make your own adventure have your own fun i can see the appeal in that i do have however questions and concerns now i i have already looked at the reviews they're very positive people are up on this game concerns i have okay it and again, this is coming from someone that has only spent one, two hours tops in the original game. Okay, so I could be completely ignorant to this, but one reason why I would not buy this game, all right, aside from not like falling in total love with the first game, which I, I like and appreciate for what it is, but it's one of those like mountain Mount Everest kind of things. Where I'm like, I don't even want to start because I don't want to go too deep. But I'm concerned that the game looks exactly like the first game. Like, I'm concerned there are barely any graphical updates. It looks very similar. I don't know what is added, what's different. Why would I play this other than I just want more of the of the original game? Like, could this have been just de- a giant DLC? Uh... So I actually sat around and thought a lot about it because I've actually written a review of this that'll hopefully go up on a website soon. Okay. Uh, so shameless plug there, gameluster.com, check it. Um, so I thought a lot about, like, what makes it better than the first, and... Or what makes it at least different from the first. And so they streamline a lot of like the spell. So the spells are like easier to use and easier to like figure out. Like for, for a small example, before like let's say you have a unit who's low on HP and is like crippled, right? Or like let's say they're on fire. Mm-hmm. So they're taking damage over time and they need a heal. In the first game, you would need to throw a heal spell on them and then another spell to like douse the flames. Mm-hmm. or now in this game it's just the heal spell deals with a lot of status effects so mm-hmm. it's like it's more streamlined um the gameplay feels a lot faster like for a turn-based game they like tighten up what you can do in each turn so it doesn't feel like i can do 20 actions in one turn it's like each turn is like you're dedicating it to one small action each turn so it feels more dynamic because that means the enemies are also getting more turns as well um writing is still spectacular i guess um it's just it, it's a more streamlined experience it's the ui is a lot better and okay. i think the biggest improvement overall aside from like the combat being easier or like, easier to understand is uh the story actually is decent <laughs> so far okay. in this one like and i'm more not in, in the first one i mean the story was all right in the first one but you kind of had to like really pay attention to it in this game it's it's really easy to be very interested in the world because it's all very silly there's a lot of like whimsical stuff that's happening and they've done a thing where like in the first game you just create a character and you're done right like it's it's your own like johnny good boy or whatever uh johnny be good (laughs) johnny good boy yeah um in this game like you can create your own character and there are four races instead of like just being human so like there's a lot of added stuff there, okay. but they've created six like unique characters with their own stories that you get to play through. Like, like okay. you play through the, you play through the same main, like big objective, you know, like go beat Ganon right. or whatever. Right. But there's also like 
a side story. So a really good example of this is I'm playing the character Losa, who is like famous for being a, like a musician in this world. So when you talk to people, you know, like you're very much like, oh, of course, you know me. I'm Losa, the famous singer, right? Like that's just always a dialogue option. But she has like a demon living inside her that wants to like claw its way out and take over her body or something. So so she's a, uh, oh, I can't think of the word. The, the, the fucking people from Naruto that have demons trapped inside of them yes the uh cubies uh, i think yeah jubies that sounds yeah. right um jujubies <laughs> she's a jujubie yeah okay but there's like this one dialogue option i had with this elf who could like see the demon inside her and the dialogue option slowly became more like insane until at the very end of the conversation i had five dialogue options but they all say kill the elf this sounds like the lyrics to a led zeppelin song <laughs> <laughs> kind of a little bit yeah okay okay fair <laughs> enough or iron maiden i guess either would work right i mean so in terms of like answering the question is it worth like getting it over the first one i think if you haven't played the first one just buy that one yeah it's way che- it's way cheaper right now yeah and that's kind of um, how i'm feeling right now like it seems like it's more iterative than revolutionary um yes. you know but again if you played like you if you played the crap out of the first one this is more of that a little bit better uh, it could be argued that maybe this could, these elements could have just been patched, you know. Um, but but I mean, every, all the reviews are positive. It's not even that much, isn't it? Isn't it only like forty five? It's forty five bucks, yeah. and I mean, it did sell five hundred thousand copies already. Yes, that's yeah, another thing. So, it's selling through the roof. Wow. Is there a it, multiplayer like online component? Yeah, yeah. So you get four people in your party, but you can and like you can control all four of them. Or you can, like, invite a friend, like, Jack, let's say you own the game. Mm-hmm. I could invite you to my currently ongoing game and just say, hey, like, you take control of this character or these two characters. Okay. And then we'll journey together and then, yeah. But it's not like multiplayer where you have your own character all fighting together, like, a la Diablo 3? You can. Like, if you invite four people, like, when you, if you invite three of your friends, you each get one character to play as. Now, of course, it's not going to be as high octane as Diablo because it's turn based, whereas right. Diablo is like right. you know, real time. No, but what I mean is, can four players play as their own characters in their game together? If you start a new game and you you make that like save file only for playing with your friends, yes. Interesting. Interesting. Why uh, they wouldn't just have it like ad hoc multiplayer like that? You know. I mean, part of it is they're not going to allow like those pre made characters I talk about. They're not going to ha- let you have more than one of like the same pre-made character in okay. the in each game so that might be part of it i guess it's a carefully crafted experience yeah right? kind of <laughs> like splatoon um, okay divinity 2 and splatoon 2 same game we got it yeah same game <laughs> um, perfect i will say the multiplayer is a little rough it's because it's really easy to like you know wander off on your own and do your own thing and then yes. you get into a fight and then all of your friends have to come over they have to stop whatever they're doing and walk all the way over to you. So, you know, it gets into a lot of interruptions like that. So it's a little hit or miss. Um, okay. But as a solo uh, solo experience, it's very fun. I'm very into it. If you haven't played a Divinity game, I mean, if you want to save money, recommend getting the first one. Highly recommend it. It's a great game. If you want to try this new one out, it's a probably is a little more of a friendly experience in terms of like teaching you how to play the game how to understand the mechanics and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, let, me, let me ask you would but, you go yeah. back to part one and play with me or are you forever changed i'd still play it yeah okay solid yeah. solid yeah there we go um yeah i think that that wraps it up for all of us in terms of games we've been playing so let's throw it over 
to the news section of the podcast. So, Robert, let's rapid fire through this because we haven't even yes. mentioned we're doing an It spoiler cast at the end of this episode, yep. <laughs> and we want to have enough time to go through that. So let's rapid fire the news this week. Yes. What do you guys let's, say? Let's quit shoot this. Yeah, yeah. Let's. I say let's do it. All right. So Battleborn's dead. That's it. Next story. Um, (laughs) Just a little slower. Okay. So, Battleborn, that game that, oh, man, rip Gearbox, I swear. Uh, It's not getting any more updates. Or, like, the, if the update hasn't happened, the next update is going to be the yeah. last. They basically gonna, are abandoning this game, sending it off uh, to the farm to live for the rest of its life. Yep. Uh, servers will still be up for the time being for the foreseeable future. So if you're still one of those two people that's into Battleborn, you know, don't worry about it. You'll still be able to play your favorite game for some reason. Um, other than that, I don't know. It's just, I, I guess Gearbox wants to really focus on that card game that they're making. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, he, I, here's here's their first mistake. They named the game after a fucking five-finger death punch song. Yeah, that, that was my first thought. Man. That celebrated catalog of five-finger death punch songs. Yeah, when, when someone told me, hey, have you played Battleborn? I'm like, you no, I haven't, I, I haven't listened to that song in years. Well, yeah, yeah. No, the game was never good. I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you it sucks. Yeah. The art style sucks. I don't know. It's all right. It's like Borderlands, but worse. Um, (laughs) Hey, it could be worse. It could be Lawbreakers. Oh. Oh, snap. Like 12 concurrent players at one point over the weekend. Are you serious? I'm not kidding. We're literally in the double digits. Wow. It's insane. We Um, Guys, our podcast is bigger than... (laughs) <laughs> oh shit <laughs> oh, we have more concurrent listeners <laughs> um let's see oh man so some modders have tweaked or tinkered with the switch's architecture and found that like i mean they found the game golf like the nes game golf in it but more importantly that means they found an nes emulator in the switch mm-hmm. built in to every single player like every single person who owns a switch right now you technically own an nes emulator I would not be surprised if someone dived real deep into this code and found out that it wasn't even a Nintendo-developed emulator. Because I don't know if you remember on the Wii, when they came out with uh, Super Mario All-Stars, that anniversary edition or whatever, they they mm-hmm. uh, uh, data-dumped that disc and found that it was really just emulations of those games running yep. on a Wii that they pulled off the internet. So they literally burned ROMs onto a disc, probably took up one one thousandth of the data space on a disc and sold it full price, 60 bucks to people. So that was kind of a ripoff. But hey, it's kind of like Nintendo's way of sticking it to the guys that put that up there, right? We're going to make money off this. Fuck it. Gotta love Uncle Nintendo. Yeah. So there's an emulator in the Switch. I'm not surprised. I I knew they were going to be bringing retro games to this. It's it's a cool thing. I wonder where it'll go. Obviously, Nintendo's planning on doing something with it. Like, I mean, I'm a little sad that we, I mean, either there isn't or the people haven't found an SNES emulator or if we're lucky, maybe a Nintendo 64 emulator. That'd be cool. Could Um, be a thing. Yeah. I mean, it'd be real neat. I mean, I know Nintendo's been talking about bringing a virtual console to the Switch. So maybe this is like the first step and maybe like in future firmware patches, they'll like throw on an SNES emulator and then a Nintendo emulator or N64 emulator and so on. So that'd be really cool to see. I think the Switch could be, like, the ultimate console for that. Like, think about playing Uh, Ocarina of Time on the go. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Man, it's like you couldn't do that on the 3DS already. Yeah, but the 3DS is a garbage (laughs) system when it comes to playing games on it. Oh, it's it's not bad. I mean, it's not bad, but, like, it's good only for 2D experience, I think. 
Yeah, this is the first game I've actually turned on the 3D. I'm not going to fight you there. Yeah. Yeah, playing Kingdom Hearts on the 3DS was a fucking disaster. I'm not going to lie. Yep. That's why I didn't get into Monster Hunter and, like, Xenoblade Chronicles on the 3 Like I, played I wanted on the 3DS, to. I wanted to get in that, but because I love the idea of that game on the go, but I, yeah, it wasn't I that just great. couldn't, no. Uh, yeah. So, in other Nintendo news, uh, you remember that Super Mario 64 online thing we mentioned, like, last week? Oh, you mean it's... that thing that's going to be awesome Dude. and on the internet forever, right? It's We're just going to play it now. Uh, well, <laughs> it's already dead. It's over. Aww. Whatever. Nintendo Nintendo delivered that uh, that ripperoni pizza. Yeah, as hey, at least they delivered it on time within seven days. <laughs> Woohoo! Cease and desist! Aha! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and lastly this one's kind of big it's kind of cool actually so steam has released a new like review histogram system so like you know there are steam reviews out there and they generally just tell you like recently and overall like if the game is being reviewed positively negatively mixed whatever um now you can see like a live chart like a bar graph of like over time like you know, within the first week, it got these kind of reviews, but then like a couple months later, it started getting these kind of reviews, which people are saying that this is uh, kind of in response to people bombing uh, Firewatch reviews after the whole PewDiePie thing last week. Um, but I think this is like just a cool feature overall, and it's like a lot of power to the consumer. And I want to chime in as well and give credit where it's due as well. This news is coming by way of Polygon, so credit to you guys. This just kind of is... Uh, breaking news coming in right as as we're recording this and they're really trying to make it easy to spot temporary distortions in reviews as the article states and because it's steam reviews have kind of become over the past few years uh the voice the real-time feedback and voice of the community it's a way of of expressing an opinion right crowdsourcing an opinion if you will on Steam, and if something is going on in a game, or, or by a developer, or by a personality, or by even like a communications director or something for a company, if people don't like it, they're going to go and bomb your reviews and, and have you show as a bad review on Steam, so that people are less likely, new people are less likely to go and purchase it. Um, a lot, but again, this is going to require a time investment uh, by the consumer to investigate why the reviews are the way they are. Um, so what they have taken baby steps towards this measure, right? They've done, uh, overall reviews and then right above it, they'll do recent reviews, right? To try and like mitigate the, the potential damage that can be done as a result of this crowdsourcing of uh, negative reviews. Uh, but now they're coming out with a full fledged histogram and they're implementing it soon. Or is it already up? I think it's soon TM. Yeah, and this is kind of all stemming off of that incident we talked about, isn't it? Or does it seem like that? Is this a coincidence? I It's probably coincidence, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the incident last week kind of lit a fire under Valve's ass. The PewDiePie incident is what we're talking about. Yeah. Right, well, uh, yeah, because the, uh, the dude from Campo Santa was calling for the the, uh, the DMCA on all of PewDiePie's videos involving it. And I'm sure it's a... Ne- I mean, it sounds like... I don't know what else it would be, you know, negative backlash because Campo Santo and Firewatch hasn't been in the press otherwise. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, since then Mm -hmm. uh, or before that, for that matter. So, yeah, it's probably, you know, just an Internet, you know, Internet came together and started flaming this uh, this Steam page. That's probably all there is to it. And to to give credit where it's due, PewDiePie did tweet out and say, like, he doesn't condone these review bombings. So I I thought you were going to say he doesn't condone this histogram. Oh no! Like I mean, I just I thought it'd be fair to represent him fairly, you know. Okay, I mean, it is an interesting practice that again has only risen to prominence over the last half decade, I'd say. 
Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of data being used as a weapon in a way. And now this is Steam kind of countering that that weaponized data with their own uh, version of the story. So it's very interesting. It's very murky, very muddy out there in the review waters for gaming. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's just it, I think this is a precedent that is going to reverberate, you know. I mean, it's never going to go back, right? They're never going to take this away. Once it's there, I mean, it's kind of there. Yeah, you and, never know. They took away Steam Greenlight. And true. And I think that you know, to build on that, what happened with the uh, DMCA as well. Like it, it, there is no current legal precedent for this type of process. Like it's very much like video game developers kind of let people use their, you know, use their content, use their games, and you don't really have to get express permission by anybody. Right, but if you do the second you do something they don't like, they're gonna they're gonna copyright strike you. And if you get what three of those on YouTube, then your channel's just gone. Yep. Right, and it's a big deal. Is it three? Is it like three in like a year? Is it three in a specific time frame? Is it three like I think ever? It's three ever. That's so hardcore. So one of those yeah. is a like make no mistake. That's a very big deal if you get a copyright strike on your account. It's a huge deal, especially for somebody like PewDiePie, who's you know income depends so heavily on it but it's it's an interesting story we'll have to see where it goes uh i don't know if i've ever gone that far as giving a game bad review based on something other than the merits of the game itself have you guys yeah. ever participated in anything like that oh no no yeah it's so I, muddy it's so evil yeah i i mean but i'm also one of those geeks that take video game reviews a little more serious than probably the rest of the world so i don't want to you know like i want them to be accurate well, yeah, and that's that's why I like this system so much. Because, I, I mean, realistic application of it. It's not just good for, like, figuring out if some people are really mad with, like, what this developer did or something. But, like, think about games that they're not just one-and-done releases, but they're constant. Like, they're constantly alive. Like, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. By the way, hit check that token off our list for this podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ark Survival Evolved or like an MMO like Final Fantasy 14, you know, like yeah. if they release a new patch or a new expansion that's like legitimately really bad, like it ruins the game in some way. That that history of like reviews will show you like possibly one of the things isn't just like what the developer did, but like what they've done to the game. Does that make right. sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I yeah. do think, though, that when a developer comes out with a new patch, I think that is very useful and very relevant information, like reviews that come out since that patch. I mean, that's a way of using, you know, reviews as a feedback. Right. right. Like that's a positive, constructive way. That's using the tool the way it was meant to. However, if someone just does something you don't like or says something you don't like and then you get a big subreddit group to go on there and just give negative reviews just because you know something completely aside from the game or or a patch then that's where it just gets real weird yeah i um this this whole thing the, the cool thing about this game though is like histograms right i've never really heard of a platform going about showing reviews like that before like using a histogram just showing the review history and i and i guess Steam would be one of the more practical platforms to like use something like that. But I could also see it kind of expanding into an idea that other platforms take on too. Like I could see Amazon doing something like that. Yeah. Like if you yeah. could go to the you know the customer reviews at the bottom and then hit like a button that says uh, you know view uh, 
review history or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and then that, that could be a big thing that becomes a trend. Yeah. Um, but it is a really, really cool thing to be like, oh, well, this game, you know, it didn't always get flack or this product didn't always, you know, ha- you know, get shit reviews, you know, like what happened? Why? Yeah. And yeah. it just kind of opens a can of worms and kind of begs the bigger question, like how relevant and important are video game reviews overall anymore? And what even is an official video game release? You already mentioned it, so I'll re-bring it up. PUBG is not even officially out yet. It's the biggest game on the planet, but on a technical perspective, it's still in... in, On an objective perspective, it's still in early access. It's not an official release yet, even though they're charging the same amount of money they're going to charge when the game does officially launch. But it's like it's everything's all gray now. Everything's all fluid. The internet has changed everything. We are in the Matrix... This is where we live now, and video game reviews are are always going to be changing, and they're always going to be updated. And it's an interesting development, and I am inch, like f- just from a pure academic perspective, I want to see if this does change any types of behavior. Yes, can I can I be Keanu Reeves? Uh, <laughs> no, sure, you can be uh, Carrie Fisher. No, wait, that's the wrong series. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, you can be Princess so Leia. So I can be dead. Oh yep. man, too Good. soon. Good, good. Thank you for that. Uh, Okay. Uh, Let's put a cap in it there, and let's move on to the Would You Rather section of the podcast, where I'm going to hand it off to Jack, who's got a wonderful Would You Rather question for us this week. Take a deep breath, guys. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Okay. Okay, here we go. Would you rather Uh have an immortal Zika-infested mosquito live with you uh, in your home uh, with a 99% chance of never being bitten uh, or what? or would you rather have a 100% chance of a random dog off the street biting you once a year for the rest of your days uh, discuss Oh, what the f- Wow. <laughs> okay. That was a tiny disc podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, You're going to have to chime in. And if there God. are any questions, let me know. Oh, man. Can we get like some Jeopardy music to marinate on that? <laughs> Do you need me to um, read yeah. it? No, so, I'm, uh, I'm no. good. <laughs> I'm good. I So the Zika fight. So I know the Zika, fi- Zika virus is bad, <laughs> but it's bad. I'm guessing it's it's instant death type of deal. No, uh, it depends. No, if you're the young or the very elderly, it's real bad. If you're like, what Colin, does it entail? Like what's? I mean, I don't have the Wikipedia sheet in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it's like real nasty fever, real nasty flu-like symptoms, probably some diarrhea, not good stuff. Things you don't want. People do die from it every year. But if you're a healthy adult, you know, you could See, probably make it through. For me, so, the question is: Do I suck. want do I want Zika or rabies? Well, that's the question. It's, it's not guaranteed rabies. It's just like I said, it's a random dog off the street, so it could Once be rabies. Certainly, yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly a possibility. <laughs> uh, you know, you definitely want to stay up on your tetanus shots with that option. Ugh, oh, <laughs> so the okay. so the Zika the, the Zika mosquito it just lives with you in whatever home you live in and it's just there forever it's immortal so you can't kill it and there's a ninety nine percent chance of never being bitten but you'd see him every day so wait and it's in my so, house yeah it lives with you yeah yeah so why why can't I just capture it in a jar yeah that's what I was gonna fucking, say yeah just fucking it'll never 
touch me. Well, I mean, you're probably going to move eventually, and you have to bring the... It, yeah, it, it will be with you oh, forever. But, okay. uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll carry that jar. If that jar is stopping me from getting Zika, I'll fucking take it. Okay, this is a world where no jars exist. <laughs> oh, my God. You didn't think this one through, did no, you? No, not exactly. But I just want to know. Um, here's the thing. You'll, it lives with you. It's in your home. It's just a part of your family now. But, again, this is a 99% chance of never being bitten. But you, he'll, always, he'll be there forever. He'll be looming. He could bite someone else that comes visit you. He could bite your pets. But so 99% chance of never of nothing ever happening. This is a world without jars. This is a world where you're worried about a damn Zika mosquito in your home. Uh, could I trap him in a Starbucks cup? Okay. It's the world's smartest immortal mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> I will pay Zika money. Mosquito. I will pay money to get a box that has like get smart levels of security in it and put it, the mosquito it's, in but that dude, box. Dude, it's the world's smartest mosquito. It yeah, will, well, it will absolutely break through and it'll socially engineer a way to escape out of any <laughs> trap you put it in. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> he'll make your lunch. Oh he'll make you lunch God. every day. You can take to work. No, I'm just kidding. God. But come on, Jeez. guys. You just it has to fly around free. It has to like, have free range. That's the rule. It has to have free range in your home. 99% chance of never being bitten. Could I put him... Could I get a Zika room? You know, instead of the guest room, it's the Zika room. The and door he stays has in that to be room. open. The door has to be open. It has to have can free I put rain. A, could I put a screen in front of the door? No, because then it doesn't have free... Well, it can get through the screen. It's the world's smartest <laughs> mosquito. It has to have dominion over your home. Full dominion. Uh, what if? What if... What if I decide to go homeless? Then I have no home for it to. Then it just lives on your shoulder. Oh God! Damn. <laughs> it's your it's your pet now. <laughs> you know, or you could just like cut your nuts and get and take the dog act. You know, option. I mean, that's still a thing. <laughs> it just like the, this fucking Zika mosquito just becomes your Gemini cricket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, the reason but it's like motherfucker, I can kill you like any time, just any time. All I gotta do is boop, motherfucker, you're dead. Zika knee like, cricket. <laughs> The reason yeah. why I don't want to do the dog thing is because then that will make me not a dog person. And I feel like that's outlawing yourself in this post-millennial world. You can have a dog. Yeah. You can have a, This is a random dog. I mean, I don't get, yeah, I don't get but, the logic. But, I don't get the logic. Well, yeah, but then I'm going to be paranoid of every dog that I see on campus every fucking day. True. Yeah, you exactly. Every time your dogs. friend's like, hey, do you want to come meet my dog? I'm like... Even if I ask him, does he bite? And they say, nah, of course not. I'll be like, fuck yeah. you. It what, will bite me. What if it's just a Maltese or like a fucking Chihuahua? I don't know. It could be any dog. It could be a shitty dog. But then that dog has rabies and then I'm dead. <laughs> but if it's someone's pet dog, you know, they probably most likely do not have rabies. I'd want that dog to bite me rather than just a street mange. So, I mean, yeah, but we, we listen, listen, listen. So, yeah, I mean, if I walk up to a dog and it's going to fucking play bite me and it's like, hey. I'm like, oh, okay. Here's the thing, though. At least you don't live in a home of sheer terror and fear and anxiety with a fucking Zika mosquito, people. Qu- question. Do, can I wear a full suit of armor when the dog is biting me? Nope. This has to be on, on bare skin. Bare skin contact. God. I thought Ugh. you were going to say, can I wear a suit of armor at home where I was going to allow that <laughs> to protect I mean, yourself against the mosquito. I'd yeah, allow that's that. That's not comfy. That's not comfy. It definitely is not. What if I taped a bunch of pillows to my body? 
for the dog or for the the dog? For the dog. It has to be mouth to skin contact. Yeah. Saliva and all. And it doesn't have to be the nastiest bite. It could just be like, you know, but once a year you're getting that, that, I'm just, I, you know what? I, I can't fucking, you know, I'm just going to go with the dog. Fuck it. I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Which one? I don't really know. Which one? The dog. The, you taking the dog? the dog? Yeah. What if it bit you on your birthday every year? That was <laughs> Hey, at least oh, then I God. know when it'll happen. I know, but Dude, it's, a, it, I, it's the fear, right? Yeah. Of not knowing. But it's also the fear. I think the mosquito is way more terrifying for me because I sleep there. I sleep in my home. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's It's a level of control that. That I'm not prepared to surrender. Whereas I could turn myself into a uh, shut-in and just never leave the house. <laughs> I could easily exactly do that. It. What if? What if for the dog thing, I actually turn into a shut-in, never leave the house for a year, never see another dog? Does a dog just break through my window to bite me at some point? <laughs> Yeah, it breaks into your fucking like, window, me, you, like Resident okay. Evil one like, style. Is it, is it, oh God, is this dog Ooh. Cujo? Yeah. Does so, it, <laughs> so yeah, if you ne- if you never go out and get bit by a dog, one's gonna find you and it's gonna fucking maul like one of your limbs off. <laughs> so, so you're saying you really imagine a world where you would never leave the house? Let's say hypothetically. Would you open I, the door? Maybe yes. Then the dog will bite you when you open the door. <laughs> like, hi, mailman here. Here's my pet dog. Oh, no, no, what's the dog, the dog doing no, to you? What's gonna happen is the dog will end up chasing the mailman, and then it'll just go for you. <laughs> In a deaf act no, of no, desperation. No, no, no. The, the mailman is the dog. Meta. Oh, meta. <laughs> the mail. The mailman does like some straight like fucking werewolf in London transformation shit and fucking Yeesh. bites. Just a fucking David Lynch movie. What the fuck, Colin? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'll go with the dog thing, but man, both of those suck. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're fucking you're awful. You're both going with the dogs. Yeah, okay. might as well. I have to because I just can't. I can't. I hate a mosquito, let alone a one that I know has Zika in my Tostitos. Yeah, no, never. I love Tostitos. Okay, Robert, that's it. Bring us home, motherfuckers. All right. So if you uh, have a response to this, would you rather feel free to email it to us? Or if you have a would you rather question, shoot us an email at tinydiscpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on all the social medias with like just look up Tiny Disc. We'll be there. Or you can go to our website, tinydisc.com. And most of our social media feeds are on there as well. So you can go through that and follow us there. If you enjoyed our podcast today, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it to help us out a lot and tell a friend if you liked it. Cause you know, grassroots, uh, where can we find you two on the internet? Colin and Mono on Twitter, a.k.a. at boo-boo underscore underscore five five. And also, I want to just uh, drop a line and say thank you to all the international people that are listening to our podcast as well in Europe and other parts. And we love you. We love the American audience as well. And thank you guys very much. Just help us spread the love and tell your friends, like Robert said. You can find me on Twitter at J-A-C-C-E-P-E-D-A. Very nice. And yes, you can find me, Robert, on Twitter or all the social medias at Pinoptimist, P-I-N-O-P-T-I-M-I-S-T. If you are interested in the It's Spoiler cast that we totally did not forget to mention at the beginning of this episode, um, (laughs) stick around for after the the music. We'll have a whole spoiler cast going on. If you do not want to be spoiled on It or if you aren't interested, this is the end of the show. Don't worry. You're not going to miss anything that you're not interested in. But damn it, go watch that movie. 
It's really great. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> so uh, thank you for listening to the Tiny Disc Podcast. We'll see you next Thursday. All Cribbins. God. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the It spoiler cast that we're shoving here at the end of the episode. So we all went to go see It after it dropped last weekend, made huge, huge records. You know, like it's the top three, like it's the third best opening weekend of a film in 2017. And the second weekend is nothing to scoff at. Like we're looking at what, 60 plus million dollars for the second weekend. Wow. Right. Um it blew out like American assassin and uh, mother for like a second weekend. Uh, even though those two were like, that was their opening weekends. Um, yeah, it's very close to 180 million domestic and fast approaching 300 million at the international box office. I mean, this is shattering records, not only for horror films, but for any film that's come out in September. So it's definitely a noteworthy achievement. Yeah. And uh, this should, of course, go without saying, but we are going to be spoiling the movie at this point. So if you've gotten this far without wanting to be spoiled, just make sure you know where you are. We are uh, going to spoil the shit out of this movie, Yeah, people. so stop it now. This is your last warning if you don't want any spoilers. So I think to just kind of frame this discussion very well, I think it'd be a good idea to kind of like say where we're all at in terms of like what it um it stories we have absorbed i've never read the book and i've never seen the um miniseries so this movie is like kind of my first real exposure to it what about you two um so i saw the 1990 version the the miniseries the tv miniseries whatever uh when i was oh, it couldn't have been much older than eight or nine years old um, and it scared the ever living bejesus out of me. Um, when I got older, my grandma bought me a copy of the the novel and I got oh like, my God. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I got like 20 or so pages into it and then just like never kept up with it. But did you get bored? Um, it is a really slow book to start. It really is. You got to um, commit to that. Cause it's a tome. I don't yeah, know. Dude. It's over like it's, a thousand pages. It's, it's, it's like a solid twelve hundred, thirteen hundred pages. Yeah. Oh, it's a huge book. Yeah, it's it's long, and it's and let me tell you, the particular copy that I have, it's like like two four point font. Like the the print in it is just so ridiculously okay. tiny. Okay. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Jack. So what about you? yeah, my history with it kind of similar to Colin is that I saw it as a young child. It was absolutely terrifying. I was traumatized. I couldn't finish the movie. I had to turn it off. I just I tried really hard. I, I like horror movies and I like them so, since uh, I was a young child but this one for some reason just really really disturbed me it's really funny to look back now at the trailer for the miniseries or any of the footage and now it's kind of laughable <laughs> it's it's very it does not age well as I stated earlier um but man I was so so hyped for this movie though to come out I was I was there day one I was there right after work me and a bunch of friends from work went um and like 6.30, and it, it was actually a more empty uh, theater than I was expecting, um, but obviously we were just like super early, I guess, you know, on the train, because the whole country basically went to this movie for the last two weekends. Yeah. 
Uh, did you read the book at all or any exposure to it? No, no, I never read the book, but I do have some exposure to it because I was reading about scenes that were way too crazy for the movie or, or yeah, way too crazy for the movie, but are in the book. And do you guys know anything about oh, any of that stuff? I've heard some tidbits. Weird. Yeah. It gets. Cause now would be the time to bring it up. I think like the differences if you want to, if you dare tread yeah, there. Um, so I do know that at the like at where the film ends like where it 2017 ends where like they all band together and they're like we're not afraid of you you're just you know you're you're just you're you're dumb and like we're gonna stand together and be friends (laughs) instead of that i know in the book it's like they just have an orgy to become adults Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. They're like what, like 12, 13 years old. It's yeah. like yo, like right in front Damn, of the fucking clown, dude, though. Basically, like over his corpse. I don't know. It's yeah. like the way it's been described uh, to me. Like the they I- just have a crazy orgy. <laughs> like like it's like eight or what, six, seven dudes and one chick. Yep, it, it's the idea of like becoming actual adults. It's all six of those boys stick their beepers in uh and, in Bev. and uh, Stephen King is like not arrested or in jail. Nope for this depiction it's crazy man it's insane my aunt i do remember actually something about this and i think that's probably the scene where my aunt called it quits on that book because there there was a time you, you know when like your family's all together and you're like the little tiny bobblehead kid in the room and the parents are and the parents are talking and they're trying not to say things yeah. too graphic around the kids right i i have a distinct memory of this now where that movie came up and that book came up and i remember my aunt saying i tried to read that book and i and i just after a while, I just needed it out of my house, and I took it out of my house. <laughs> and, I, and that stuck like, oh with me, God. like, dang, like, I know that show's scary. Like, I wonder, I guess the book's worse, so. See, I, yeah, there, there are other parts, too, that are really weird, like the turtle, I guess. There's, like, these weird celestial beings or whatever, like, yeah, in dairy. It's, it, that's, like, getting into the lore of where Pennywise came from and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always said this about Stephen King novels, because I've read quite a few Stephen King novels. He knows how to set up a great universe with a great, like, scary idea and all that shit at endings. So I know, like, that that whole orgy scene wasn't, like, the end of the actual novel, but it was kind of, like, the end of, like, that first major part where they're all kids and stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. some of his other novels, they're just like, oh, man, like, you're going to end it that way? Like, that's just... Oh, you know, it's funny how it's funny how the world the world has seemed to have forgotten about that element of the book, but it's kind of coming back even though the movie's out and that scene is out of the movie. So it's kind of bizarre, right? It kind of speaks to like people. Yeah, I, I like I now I have just like this sick morbid curiosity just to read that part of the book just to see just how fucking bad it it's is. It's basically illegal to read that part of the book. <laughs> <laughs> if you read it, the police will come into your house yeah, and arrest you. It's basically, yeah, an illegal book. But yeah. man, uh, oh yeah. So okay, well, so yeah. That that's like that's I guess one thing they left out. I know there are like there are quite a few other scenes that are like different from like the book and the movie. But I think we should probably just start talking about the movie itself as an experience. And I think like. Wow, I I really like Pennywise. I think yeah, Bill, yeah, yeah. Bill Skarsgård's performance as Pennywise. Like, look, I don't know what it is about creepy clowns that like because I love the Joker. Um, I think Skarsgård's performance was really incredible as Pennywise because he's got this idea of like. You know, especially at the beginning scene where he's first talking to Georgie. And oh he, man, that part. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Part listen, was so listen. I could. I want to. I want to kind of like bring it back a little bit, and I want you guys to like kind of walk me through what you guys were thinking. I, just the first like ten minutes of the film. Oh, like you know. So, what, yeah. what was your and, first impressions as the movie was starting up and getting to that 
you know, that iconic moment where he first sees Dude, I was dreading going to the theater. The whole time I was going to this movie, I was dreading it. I had to set it up so my friends would go with me. I was not going to go see this movie by myself. And I'm a grown-ass man. I I understand, though, because watching this movie, I had, like, in the back of my head, that vulnerable nine-year-old version of myself was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing sitting there and watching this movie right now? Seriously, I was like, I felt like I was going to get on a roller coaster. Like, it was that kind of butterfly feeling. And also, it didn't help that around the office, there was a red balloon getting passed around oh, every nice. <laughs> that same oh, day. Oh no! Yeah, they were egging each other on. It was fun though. It was it was a good time. See, for me, I'm not a big fan of horror movies. I think they rely a lot on cliches and like kind of very lame tropes to get you scared. And it's not, and, and it makes horror movies not actually scary, but just like going for your biological reaction to being scared like of course you're going to be scared by a fucking sudden loud noise that's like hundreds of decibels higher than a silent scene because like you're human you're going to react that way to like a loud noise that kind of stuff you know like horror movies do that a right. lot and mm-hmm. so i've always hated the horror genre or at least i'm not enthused by it much i went to go see this film and the first like five minutes I was furious with the film. I was like, oh mm. my God, this is like, there's a fucking small kid and he's going into his basement. And of course it's dark. And of course the light switch doesn't work. And of course the door is super creaky. And then like, ah, there were so many cliches in that first part. Like he fucking yeah. sees those two lights off in the darkness. It's like, <gasps> are those eyeballs? And then he shines a light. Nah, it's just jars, whatever. And then the thunder mm. fucking is loud. And the fucking walkie talkie. Why does the walkie talkie have to be that? Light? Yeah, <laughs> that creeped me out. I was on, yeah, I was on edge already. And that just totally, like yeah, yeah it like, bothers me you're just waiting thing, for though, it all like, to happen because i was so uh you know i had i you know i knew what the film was like going into it. like you know we all know it the original and so i had like a general idea and like going into it i i was a little bit i was already like pre like pre-scared i guess like i i, I was nervous and uh that part when he walked into the basement i was like and, and like it just sort of ended I was like oh this is just kind of like uh, just to tease you like this isn't going to be like just some tropey bullshit yeah this isn't you know going to be I mean? like the kind of yeah. horror that this movie right. is going to depend upon throughout right and it almost and, was it looking back at it it almost was like making fun of horror movies and exactly. almost like playing on your expectations now that I think about it like they're yeah. like hey you know you know this is predictable this is how scary movies are but then we get introduced to Pennywise on the street right Exactly. I was worried too though I was worried with you I was like oh this isn't so good I'm not sure yet they don't have my trust yet yeah and then again we run into the clown so Colin did you remember what happens to poor poor Georgie there on the street did you remember from the past or no um I mean I I don't remember him like does does yet does yet does he get killed in the original I don't remember the exact same thing happens Okay, so, the, it's yeah, the exact so, same thing. Yeah, okay. Robert, so you probably knew nothing before, right? Like, yeah. what you had an idea he was going to die. You didn't know how, though, and how graphically. Yeah, I had right? no clue. That was, yeah. okay, so that scene was absolutely, even though I was expecting it to happen, I knew his arm was going to get ripped off and he was going to die. But right. it was so fucking shocking to me. I was really Dude. disturbed at, like, the prolonged <laughs> conversation they were having. Dude, and when Pennywise I, was oh. doing that pop-pop noise, I was like, I was like, just my skin was crawling because I knew oh, what dude. was going to happen. But see, that, Let me, that conversation never... is what made me love what, what, what I was about to witness. Like, the whole, like, love you know. Love the kid dying. Yeah, no, seriously, though, the whole, like, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise, the dancing clown. Dude, uh, stop doing that voice. You're too good at it. <laughs> dude, it out. It's like Pennywise, meet Georgie. Georgie, dude. Meet Pennywise. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude. Like so that good. whole that whole fucking that whole fucking part. 
I was like gripping the fucking arm of my chair like harder and harder. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, this is no, so. I was like, I was like, kind of looking. Yeah, I was in the yeah. fetal position in my chair, and I was sitting in between two grown ass men as well. <laughs> And dude, I was I was about to reach over and like fucking like grab Robert's hand or some shit. Like geez. I was like, I, don't, I was so into that. Like the whole like with him saying, "You're gonna watch your boat, right? If you oh. don't, Bill will kill you." Dude, are you gonna like, do this this whole <laughs> punk fucking podcast? Because stop it, no. <laughs> It's really bad. Oh. No, but that, that scene made me think, it. like, wow, okay, this, I'm into this. Uh, well, yeah, because it, it, that's where the movie and the filmmaker and the actor and everybody sold the entire film to me. It did a great job at setting the tone for the entire film. It was a great introduction to Pennywise. When his mouth opened and he just, like, <laughs> yeah. sunk in, I was like, what the fuck am I actually watching right now? Yeah, dude, I was not expe- I was not expecting them to like show that much that early on either. I thought it was going to be like some scene where it's like, you know, you see the kid, he gets pulled in and then it just like kind of cuts away and then it shows the old lady looking out and you just see the pool of blood. Yep. I didn't know it was going to show him like fucking literally gnawing the kid's whole arm off. I was like, <laughs> yeah. holy shit. And, and, then, and then he turns around, screams and the blood goes spraying into the rain. Like and it, then was, it was very artistically woman, shot. Yeah. And then that woman's probably deaf because how do you not hear that <laughs> yeah that, that was yeah. my thought when that scene happened but uh let's 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 kind of like bring this up to like the main cast members like the seven kids like what are your okay. guys's thoughts on them um the losers if you will uh i mean billy billy's obviously like he becomes the leader of the pack right yeah um you know he's got a stutter but he's like he's like fuck it you know i'm gonna get shit done because i am trying to avenge my brother or find my brother um i uh richie obviously is like the comic relief guy right um yeah yeah, and he's yeah he's probably the best and he's i mean he's also the kid that uh plays in stranger things right Uh, but so he'll (laughs) I remember yeah. seeing an interview. Apparently, like in the script, he wasn't written to curse. It was just him being like, "I think this character curses." And then oh, that's and, funny. And Andy Machete was like, "Yeah, all right, curse, go, go, <laughs> go right, for it. it. Yeah. Why not?" <laughs> that's cool. That's so great. Yeah, I like yeah. That. And uh, you know, there was uh, oh, God. You guys are gonna tell me out. Uh, is but, Henry the fat kid? Yeah, uh, that's Ben. It's like Ben. ben. Ben's the uh, new kid. Um, yeah. Eddie is the hypochondriac with the overprotective mother. Right. Beverly is right. the girl. Um, Michael is the homeschool kid. Right. And Mikey. Stan is the Jewish kid. Right. Exactly. Um, I uh, like me and Robert talked about like you know Bev Bev's character was probably uh, in terms of character development and how well the part was acted was probably the strongest. Um. I definitely think she's going to she has the chops to probably be in a lot more movies in the future. Like she I think she's like the rising star out of out of the, those seven kids. Interesting. Um, and then, Robert, you said uh, you said Mikey was probably the weakest or didn't feel like he belonged he, as much. Yeah, I think they could have given Mikey a lot more character development because all you really see is like in the beginning uh where we're like, you know, he's scared to kill the sheep and his grandpa's like, it's either them or us. And um Oh, right, right. You know that was like okay, I guess. So he's he's been treated he's being treated hard, uh, and then there's the scene with him like biking into town and then hiding from the bullies, and then you know the whole like the meat locker turns into like this burning firehouse, which I didn't connect until the second time I saw the film. But that's his parents dying, right? No, I remember right, that. Yeah. Right. Um, and then like the door opens and you see it being hung. Like 
there's that. And then after that, he's kind of like out of the picture until he's being bullied by the kids in the river and they have that rock fight. So I don't know. It just kind of, he kind of felt shoved and forced into the group, like out of, out of all of them. I feel like he was the one that could have used a lot more development. Yeah. For some reason, I, I totally agree with you, but I feel like his just scenes or maybe his, the scripting in his scenes were just not treated with the same amount of care. Um, of all the kids, my favorite was definitely probably Eddie though. He had mm. the best lines. I think he had the best delivery. He had so oh, much of the comic yeah. relief. Um, yeah, I, I just I just loved Wait, his whole the, performance. The hypochondriac overall, or the comedian? Yeah, the hypochondriac. Okay. Isn't that his, his name Eddie? Yeah, the one who break his arm yeah, at the yeah, end. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was my favorite kid for sure. Just just again like his acting chops. I thought and his timing yeah. was perfect. Yeah, you've been feeding me gazebos this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> They're bullshit. So what did you guys think last week uh, when we t- when I talked about the film? You guys were yet to see it, and I mentioned that it was really funny. What was, like, your first thought? Were you like, yeah, right, or oh, right. Well, where were you with that? I mean, it had, like, a lot of the Goonies vibes and, like, Stand My V vibes going no, on. So no, I was no, like, no, before you saw it, like, what did you think of me oh, saying that it was very funny? Well, uh, I thought it was going to be uh, funny in the same way, like, Stranger Things is funny. Like, there's a lot of serious shit that happens in Stranger Things and, like, mm-hmm. a lot of dark, like, horrific type things going on. Mm-hmm. But there's still, like, they find time between those skits to, like, crack jokes and to just be buddies and be kids, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so. um, I it honestly was one of the things that kind of sold me on the film because, you know, like I mentioned, I'm not a big horror film person. So this movie right. like was not really on my radar. But the fact that you told me that it's like it's not just scary, like the characters actually are characters, you know, they're real you know, they have motivations and it's mm-hmm. funny. It's like, okay, I, I'll give this movie a shot and I'm glad I did. I gave it two shots and it's great. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. I definitely want to see it again. I think uh, it definitely does beg for a second viewing. I mean, it's just that damn entertaining. Yeah, for overall. sure. I, you know, and again, I have heard and entertained arguments that the movie actually is not that scary. Um, there are definitely parts and there are spikes, but I can kind of see that argument when we talk about like the greatest horror films of all time, because this is just as much a coming of age story as it is a horror film. It's like a pretty much 50, 50 split. Yeah. You know, where are you guys with that? Did you think it was scary? Um, I, the, 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 uh, well, I mean, I think the moment at the beginning was really what got me the most right. throughout the film. Um, uh, the part where. I always forget his name. The Jewish kid is, is it Stan, 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 Stan. That's right. I love how you yeah. remember he's Jewish though. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, of course. Cause I, I was like, I, I was telling uh, Robert that it would be really funny if they named him Kyle. <laughs> South Park. <laughs> You're um, all about that low fruit, man. <laughs> yo, but season, the season 21 premiere was stellar. I'm just going to say. Oh yeah. It was. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. The, the scene where he was like walking into the back of the church and the painting falls, I was like, Yo, I already see where this is going. This is pretty fucked right yeah. right now. <laughs> like, so this is I some like shit that, you, that I would imagine when I was a kid. Like, I like that you brought that up. Yeah, those are kind of things that would have scared me if I was a kid for sure. And I had yeah. those kind of fears that something like that would happen to me. Um, so something interesting about that particular scene where he's in the room with like, is it like a real disfigured woman? Does she have like a flute or something? I can't remember. Yeah, she was like a disfigured on face to woman. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. that yeah. scene is not in the film. And Stephen King actually, wait, when the he, film? wait, you mean the, or, I'm sorry, in, in the, the book, b- I apologize. Okay. In oh. the novel, it's not in the novel. It was added and it's new for the film. Stephen King, when he saw that, 
uh, scene, he uh, like corresponded with the director uh, and said like that was fucking scary. So it, that scene scares <laughs> the writer of the novel. That's cool. That's um, the best compliment you can get. Yeah. To respond to your earlier question about whether or not this film is scary, I think it's it's scary in terms of like you know you don't like what you're seeing on the screen in terms of you know it's no. it's like it's very freaky and it kind of makes you un- it's unnerving and it's a little bit uncomfortable. It doesn't go for like the the more recent idea of scary which is like you know tense moment violins you know going real fast and then boom loud jump scare you know like that's that's Mm -hmm. scary nowadays but Mm -hmm. this movie is more like i want to look away from the screen because i know that clown's about to open his weird freaking teeth mouth but i want to but i want to keep staring you know (laughs) yeah Um, yeah no it definitely and Um, i I think the other like the i think the scariest part for me that this freaking got me like i'm surprised how much i kind of jumped at it but the scene where bev kills her dad Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then it's like, uh, oh, holy shit, he's bleeding, he's right. dead. And, you know, like they have a shot of her and she's like panting, like, I can't mm-hmm. believe I just did that. She turns to exit the bathroom and fucking yeah. Pennywise with his throat or with his hand and around her dude, throat, yes. like, whoa. And he's like 10 feet tall. Was that any easier the second time knowing it was coming? It was a little easier, but it's still like, God, yeah. Bill is and, fucking six foot five or some shit. Yeah, man. that was the biggest jump scare in the film. And again, I had like a thirty-five-year-old man sitting next to me during this film. He literally jumped up and almost hugged me. And he like, <laughs> yeah. and he's not even shy about it. He wasn't even shy about it. He's like, Jack, I seriously almost jumped in your lap there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> At that particular scene. That freaking guy. Like that was, I think, legitimately scary. Not because you know it follows the tropes of like jump scares, but it's like. You know, Pennywise has been built up to be this like very scary figure, even though he's like he's silly. Like this is a scary figure who calls the fat kid Egg Boy as he's chasing him. You know what I mean? It's like a very <laughs> yeah. whimsical scary, but it's still like right. I don't want to be caught anywhere you, near that. I think I mean we should talk a little bit more about Bill Skarsgård's performance as well because he is filling shoes that were very big. No pun intended with a clown because. Uh, Oh, Tim Curry, Tim, Tim Curry, Curry. Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. Yep. His performance is like fabled in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. no one's ever taken on that role since because, again, his performance was just so iconic. And Bill Skarsgård has really done a great job as making Pennywise his own. I wouldn't want to go back now after seeing the new version. And for me, it's just so impressive as well to know that all that drool that was coming out of his mouth, like that's real. That's not yeah. CG. He was actually doing that. And to the point where the kids uh, here in like uh, post interviews and stuff, they're saying that he, they've never seen someone make that much drool ever, like in real life. Like they didn't <laughs> know how he did it, but, but that was real. And and his performance was awesome. And his smile was totally twisted and demented. And, yeah. you know, not, it, very little reliance on CG. So much of it was happening under, underneath the makeup, you know, on his side. Yeah. So I think he and- should get credit for that. I think, uh, well, I actually, well, I read over, it's like several times over, I was reading actually a couple of, uh, like, like interviews and things like that, uh, and some trivia on IMDb and things. And, uh, one of the biggest things that they noted was that, uh, the director, I forget his name, uh, it escapes me. Uh, Andy Muschietti. Yeah. Andy, I'm just going to call him Andy cause that sounds like a mouthful. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, Andy was, uh, basically very, uh, very adamant about keeping uh, 
Skarsgård away from the rest of the actors. Like he kept him away, right, right, for like half of the, basically half of filming, yeah, up until the point where they were they were uh, filming the scene in the house where they where, first encounter him together in the script. Yeah, that's the first time they saw him actually on the set in real life, right? Yeah, that that's was cool. the first time they saw him on set in full makeup. Yeah, yeah. That and was like they really legitimately scared the piss out of him. Yeah. piss out of all of them and they were genuinely horrified in that fucking scene right where he's like walking towards them and his hands turning into a claw or whatever yeah um, i saw i saw an interview um of uh bill skarsgård it was on one of the late night shows and um eddie the character played by uh jack dylan grazer um he's the one with the broken arm yeah. and in between and you know obviously that scene he were they're encountering uh, pennywise for the first time uh he looks terrified, understandably, but uh, Bill Skarsgård was saying during his interview that in between takes when cut was pulled, um, Jack Grazer would just say to him, oh, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Great stuff. <laughs> like, he was able to like turn that switch on and off, you know, like in between takes. Oh, this is great. This is so this is gonna be so good. So, yeah, I thought that was a good I, story. I yeah. think the one part that kind of like, I don't want to say ruined the film for me, but it was something that kind of made me go like. Oh, I know I should be kind of scared of this moment right now, but I can't help but laugh my ass off was when Bev wakes up in the sewers and she sees Pennywise there. And then there's like, you know, the fire behind him and he fucking dances like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like I know he's supposed to be Pennywise, yeah, yeah, the yeah. dancing clown. But just that dance with all that makeup, I was like, ah, oh, that that's yeah. just funny. That's not, well, that's not scary. I, you find out a lot about yourself when you watch a film like this, because I realize that I react to terror by laughing my ass off because so many times during the, some of the scariest parts i was just smiling and laughing out loud and my friend sitting next to me was like why are you laughing what's wrong with you i was like it's how i react man <laughs> yeah like, fuck all of yeah. this <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was just like so unbelievable that i just had had to laugh at it you know and but they were truly like terrifying scenes yeah oh yeah i, don't know. I think yeah. overall it was it's an impressive movie it's very well paced too i think they because what they do with the film is they have to they make sure that before all the kids like really meet up and start like talking about it um they all have their own scenes with it you know like uh where bill goes downstairs and he finds his brother and, you know the whole you'll uh-huh. float too you'll float too that whole thing oh yeah that uh, part was wicked yeah or like mikey you know with the fire uh eddie with the leper Bev with right. the bloody sink, which I found to be kind of like meh. And really, it was more her dad, though. Her dad yeah, was like the, yeah. the weirder he part of that. He was under control. He was under control. Yeah, by he me. was like, are you? Well, that. But then, like, when he fucking walks into that bloody bathroom, yeah, not even reacting to the blood. Yeah, that and, part was fucked. Yeah. And touching her hair like, like, when'd you cut your hair? Uh, yeah. Look more like a boy now. And, yeah. and, she, and, she, and she's just like... You, you don't you, you don't see it like yeah. like she's fucking like oh, freaking man. out like yeah i that i guess that part was kind of like kind of throwaway right but it also kind of vaguely reminded me of the scene from evil dead which i don't like to think about um i don't know i don't know if you guys know what i'm talking about no but you know you know what i'm talking about no i don't I, that, uh, I'll, I'll tell you later then because okay. it's 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 vulgar as shit um nice. anyway um i yeah that that and that's that kind of brings me to the uh, adults in this film too right like me and robert were talking about you know like bev's dad is the extreme example for sure right because he's obviously really controlling probably raped her more than once uh, from what i what i could guess um it was just very controlling and who knows what happened to her mom um and then like all the other adults just seemed so dismissive 
about a lot of the shit that was going on and i think that was part of like the themes the undergoing well the that was undergoing themes. yeah that was pennywise's yeah. like one of his pa- like cosmic powers was like he had the power of mind control yeah, as well but, yeah so like, that's a theme that's pervasive it, it's something oh, okay. i kind of noticed in the first movie or the first time i saw it but like the second time i paid attention and like it's every adult is a piece of shit in that film every yeah. one of them like georgie's yeah. dad in the beginning being very dismissive uh, or not well georgie's dad and bill's dad being very dismissive of bill trying to figure out where george is you remember that right. scene of the garage like there's that yeah there is the pharmacist right. who was hitting on a 15 oh, year old that part yeah. was oh that was really creepy mm-hmm. <laughs> like i mm-hmm. thought yeah, pennywise was, was supposed to be creepy but ooh. um for sure the librarian when ben goes to the library she's just like don't you have any friends you should be out hanging yeah. out with your friends you're right i can't think of any adults that were like amicable yeah no adult was cool i mean obviously bev's dad is like disgusting right. um Maybe yeah. maybe Bauer's dad, kind of, but he still seems just like an asshole cop. But mm. yeah, yeah, well, it, it, I think they heavily implied that he had a drinking problem and he was probably abusive. Yeah, towards the end there, you know what I mean? Because um, they had and, like all the he was like sleeping and they had all the bottles laid out, which actually vaguely reminded me of the scene from uh, Halloween. Uh, I don't know if it, it was. I think it, I don't know if it was only in the remake, but there was a scene in Halloween that was just like that, where the dad's passed out from drinking so much, and the kid just comes up and fucking slits his throat. Yeah. Um, but oh God, what was I thinking of? Yeah, even uh, Bill and Georgie's mom, like at the beginning, you fucking sit there ominously playing that shit on the piano, playing that like really dark. <laughs> I know. Music. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was thinking to myself, like, <laughs> whose mom would play would play that, and why would the family be okay with this music? <laughs> You know, unless yeah, she's then, like, like yeah, she a her- professional piano- pianist and she's doing it to pay the bills. It's the only thing I can imagine. Like, mom, can you put some headphones on, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could you plug some headphones into that grand piano, into please? That grand, yeah, into yeah, that Steinway. Yeah. yeah, get the turn the Bluetooth on, mom. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I think we should probably get close to wrapping up here. It's been a bit of oh, time. Oh, there's so much to talk I, about this I movie, know. though. I, I think, uh, I mean, what else do you want to say? Uh, how about how about all the kids swooning over Bev? <laughs> yeah, I mean that was all of them. That was a great scene. I well, mean, we haven't even talked about the licensed music in this yeah. movie yet. There's Jan- so January, January Embers. Anyone? January Embers. Anyway. I love the fact that they leaned on New Kids on the Block throughout. Like, how so the good. hell that was so like it reminded me. You know, watching it now as an adult, it reminded me of when I watched it as a kid because I'm pretty sure New Kids on the Block was like ruling the the world at that time when the original series was out so it was just yeah. a great callback you know and, and there was just some there was some really good music uh i mean the original music was very atmospheric um but just the new kid scene where you you go into his room and they close the door and the posters behind yeah and it does that flash i lost my shit it was oh, so, it was so great <laughs> it was so good i mean i want to i mean we haven't even really talked about the ending how do we do a spoiler cast without even talking about the ending of the yeah, movie guys that's fair um, like i one probably the best line in the movie was when uh the one kid was i, I cannot remember all their names there's too many of them Which but one? the one kid was complaining uh, about oh, all Richie. the things yeah, yeah. Well, he's complaining about all the things i have to do for you why i hate you why we should leave you because it was a very selfless act the kid was like go ahead save yourselves because pennywise was trying to bargain with them right like yeah. just uh give me him and you guys can all go free and i'll kill him and you guys will We'll, we'll get to live on and he's like go ahead just go and then uh his friend was listing off all the reasons why they should leave him yeah but he's like i you hate you because of this shitty water. i hate you because of mean, this yeah and now i have to kill this fucking clown and i was like that was such a triumphant moment yeah of the yeah. film uh but then you know they go about like i don't know 
just ganging up on him basically and just beating him up with whatever's kind of lying around. It was kind of weird ending for me. And then when he's just hanging there and he says the word fear and then kind of crumbles and falls into oblivion. Like, I don't know that scene. It didn't, it didn't really hammer it home for me. I would have liked to seen that. I would have liked to have seen that scene handled a little bit differently. It was not a strong part of the movie, I guess is what I'm saying. But it, it is definitely a lot less NC 17 than the actual end of that part in the book that we mentioned earlier in this spoiler cast. Right, yeah. Right. Well, well, okay. Um, I'm not saying I want to see that ending, but I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm no, just I, saying, I mean, there were some good artistic, uh, uh, shots going on as well, where uh, Beverly's laying down next to the water and you can see her reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some, there was some cool cinematography happening. It's just, I don't know, something about when, whenever the, the, the build up to the fight was better than the actual final battle, I guess. Yeah. I can the agree. Final climax. Yeah, because you know, yeah, I mean, felt a little bit like an action movie at, at that point. At the end, you know, it was just like the classic right, be- right. beating the villain up literally. Um, yeah. Something else that I think is different too in like that ending part of the film. Um, all the kids literally floating, like literally, actually for real, floating in the air. I, I don't know why that is because Pennywise is supposed to be eating these kids. That's like yeah. lunch, man. Like what? So I know that that was um, Andy Muschietti, the director, took some artistic license with that, and that scene is not how it's portrayed in the novel as well. But again, it kind of builds on the credibility of the term "we all float down here." Yeah, you know, I I kind of took that more just as a creepy ass thing to say, you know, to get kids to come down the sewer rather than like, no, motherfucker, these fuckers are gonna float up here. Like, well, I'm serious. Well, oh, correct me right. if I'm wrong, but like in the miniseries, in the scene where Pennywise is talking to Georgie, doesn't he tell him like, this balloon floats down here? We all float down here, or something like that, right? I, I yeah, I can't remember the exact lines, but I didn't, I didn't, I never took it literally, and I don't think Stephen King took it literally either. Um, I mean, I understand this new film has to have its own identity. It just was another plot hole for me. Like, why isn't he like eating them? Like, that's again, that's dinner. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I was thinking actually in my head, I was actually theorizing that, uh, or hypothesizing that he was saving them for because you know he hibernates for like 27 years or whatever the fuck it is so maybe he just chows on stuff i don't know oh, while he's hibernating <laughs> that was a guess yeah, the big pile of debris and stuff like down there as well is really well done i think it, it kind of fulfilled like what i had in my mind's eye of where he lived yeah for sure um I don't know. I think the film does a good job at the end of setting up the whole fact like, yes, there is a sequel. There will be a chapter two there like and it doesn't even try to hide the fact that like, yeah, it'll be like these characters older, like they come back in 27 years. So I thought, yeah, it, it was it was a pretty solid ending overall. Um, the fight was a little weird, but it has me kind of excited, honestly, for this, whatever the sequel has in store. There, there were people sitting next to me that didn't even know that it was a chapter based story. So when it pulled up on the screen, uh, chapter one, you know, stay tuned for chapter two, whatever, they were like, what? Oh, my. they were genuinely like mind blown by that. Yeah. So that would <laughs> that must have been a cool thing for them to see. Um, yeah. I, I want to kind of go back more to the business end of the film. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously it's breaking all these records. It's one of the biggest films in horror movie history. But as of the time of the recording of this podcast, Andy Muschietti, the director, and more importantly, uh, or just as importantly, Bill Skarsgård, Pennywise, uh, neither of them have been signed on to contracts. And also I came of news that there's going to be flashbacks in the sequel. So the uh, kid actors are going to be coming back as well. So that's something to look forward to. And I, I 
there's going to be just endless debate over who should play the adult versions of the kids. But uh, I don't know that, you know, that's that's a watch mojo video, I guess, in the making. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it would be best fun. future Ben's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be something to watch for. I mean, two years from now uh, and see how it ends, because I genuinely have no idea really what happens in the second half. Uh, yeah. be- because well, I never could make it to the end of the movie before I was too chicken. Right. Um, it's funny cause the, uh, the kid who plays Ben actually, they, they interviewed the kids. They're like, who do you want playing your, uh, your grown up counterpart? Essentially. Like who would be your dream cast? And the kid who played Ben said Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Oh my God. Could you imagine <laughs> Christian Bale and something like that? Yeah. But um, I mean, you got to imagine though, the director and Bill Skarsgård are going to rake it in on the sequel. They have all the clout now after this oh, movie's yeah. massive, massive financial success and future success. Yeah. I, I, the only worry I have is it's, I don't think it's going to carry the, uh, the same lightheartedness because they're adults i know you said there's flashbacks but i don't know if it's gonna have like i don't know if the uh comedy is gonna hit the same like it did it's in gonna ha- it's gonna have to be funny though i feel like i think people are gonna oh, be disappointed yeah, yeah. it's, too it's serious, gonna have to you know? try and carry the same idea mm-hmm. i don't know but i just i mean it'll be tough to imagine like a 40 year old richie still making hella dick jokes every <laughs> every day yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> but hey <laughs> Oh man, it was it. What a great movie! Like yeah. what an all time, yeah, for what sure. an all time classic. One of the Might best. Might actually films. have to pick this one up on Blu-ray when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Same. I mean, like I said last week, it's one of the best. It's gonna be known go down as one of the best sleepover movies. I feel like, and it's something to watch with a with a group of friends for sure. It's 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 that good. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, I guess you're not listening to spoiler cast, but uh, <laughs> like. <laughs> You, uh, I mean, word of mouth is really what's pushing this forward. And yeah. I think, again, like you, Robert, people are going to go in for repeated viewing. So I am excited to see how far the ceiling goes because, again, it's approaching $300 million in uh worldwide. It's just it's blasting expectations with a budget of around $35 million or so. Like, wow. Yeah, especially for a horror movie. You know, like usually horror movies yeah. are like the weekend, the opening weekend, and then it's done. Yeah, but, and the reviews, I mean, it's certified fresh, I'm pretty sure, if you guys can confirm. Um, but it definitely has a 70 uh, on Metacritic, which is huge for a movie to get that high. That is really considered exceptionally. And it is certified fresh at 85 on Rotten Tomatoes now. So we don't have to sell it to you. Obviously, you're listening to the spoiler cast. You've already heard the film. And, you know, we can definitely start wrapping up here. But we thank you guys for staying with us. This has been the It Spoiler Cast official. Do you guys want to leave with any parting words? I mean, if for some reason you've gotten this far and you still haven't seen the film, go see it. Even though we've spoiled it for you, like see it again. It, it well, yeah, see it again. But even if we've spoiled it for you right now because you didn't turn the podcast off or you like listening to spoiler cast for whatever reason, still go see it. I think. It, oh yeah, it's an incredible film. Even when you know, like, trust me, I can speak from experience. Even when you know what's about to happen next, it's enthralling to see it all happen. It's enthralling to see their performances. Like all seven kids are very good at what they do and bill knocks it out of the fucking park yeah. as pennywise the dancing clown stop so we're doing stop. that again we're placing a moratorium on that voice damn it robert if you if you ever liked the goonies if you ever liked stand by me if you ever liked oh man i don't know any movie about a group of the lost boys it's like in the lost that, motherfucking boys yeah it's in that same kind of family of films and it's going to be considered a modern classic so we don't have to sell it anymore this podcast has gone on too long we will bid you adieu at this point and thank you guys very much and don't forget to tune in next week 
to another episode of the Tiny Disc Podcast on Thursday, and we'll see you guys then. Bye. Man, why the fuck did I have to pour the shortest, pull the shortest straw? It'd be a different story if we were measuring dicks. <laughs> <laughs>